0: Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan.
1: I'm Amy Jo Jackson.
0: And man, playing all by myself at a funeral for the guy you had killed, what a power move we're looking at to die for.
1: For better or for worse, out there in
0: amy joe how you doing today
1: jeff i'm doing great <laughs> today is the first day we woke knowing who would be the next president and i i'm not saying i slept well but i slept better than i slept in months how are you uh
0: yes i fully second all that uh also, other other fun stuff. I mean, clearly that's the funnest of all, but uh, we just had a really cool little mention in the A.V. Club last week on our Alien episode. So if you haven't seen that, go ahead uh, over to A.V. Club and check that out.
1: Thank you for whomever uh, uh, of you wrote yeah. in telling them about us. Yes. Almost as good as, uh, you know, rejecting <laughs> fascism. Um, oh, al- almost, there.
0: not quite. <laughs> uh, so close, so close, but no, uh, banana, no.
1: <clears throat> but on top of that, one
0: more thing thing that is making me smile today we are going to have our very first guest on later we've got john say from the love of cinema podcast so so fun if you've not heard them check them out Uh, he'll be joining us in just a bit
1: it's like we're a real like like Our podcast is growing up. We've moved from childhood into some kind of awkward adolescence (laughs) where we're like, let's try guests. Sure. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, It's our podcast. It's our first day at school. And, you know, for the first few weeks, we're just kind of sticking to ourselves. We just moved into town. And now we're like, we're we're having a, this is is the first time we're having a friend come over for a play date.
1: Finally sitting with someone else (laughs) at the lunch table. (laughs)
0: Exactly. It's not just us. Us two cool kids. Now, someone else has si- finally decided to join us at this table.
1: They said, excuse me, is the seat taken? We said, oh, no, not if you're going to sit here.
0: And then that person walked away. But then this time, they someone should... Someone else! ...stay with us. Uh- To Die For is a dark comedy that came out on October 6th, 1995, and was directed by Gus Van Sant and written by Buck Henry. Amy Jo, what's your experience with To Die For?
1: I had never even heard of it mm, until—I know that we watched it together for the first time up when I was working in Syracuse, and that was like December 2017. Yeah, that sounds Um, right. And I was shocked, stunned, angered that I had never seen this movie before uh, because it feels like someone said, you want a movie you'll like, Amy Jo, take this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is so, so up your alley. So I was unsurprised that when we watched it, you uh, enjoyed it thoroughly, as did I. So so weird knowing Gus Van Sant's other films, which for me are mainly either in the Goodwill Hunting, Finding Forrester camp Mm -hmm. or in the like- elephant and jerry and like last days like just like weirder small like indie films and this is a much more heightened uh like camp film it's it's in certain ways more than camp. this is true this is true there's a certain this film i feel like I feel like which came out around the same time, Serial Mom, the John Waters film, mm-hmm. is the camp version sure. of this. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's John Waters, so that's I mean, the camp
1: version of anything.
0: And it's Serial Mom. I mean, that's your title. Yes, so, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. But I uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. But yeah, this is only my second time watching it. It's so good. If you've not seen it, highly recommend checking out because we're going to spoil the, we're gonna the spoil Jesus it, out and of it. This
1: is one that I do think... You can I, I do know we have listeners who just listen to the pod and don't always watch the movies first. But this is one that if I don't know, I can't recommend strongly enough to you that you watch this. Um, and I think you could listen and s- still definitely enjoy the film. But, yeah. you know, you won't have the surprise element. Um, so, I, yeah, before we spoil it for you, I'd say pause, go watch it, enjoy the crap out of it and then come back and hang with us.
0: Great. Now that you've unpaused and you're back, I hi. hope that you enjoyed the film. Hello there. Hi, hi there. Welcome back to our cable. Please put up your chair. So good to see <laughs> you. So good to see you. So spoilers ahead. If you have not seen To Die For... And if you haven't, you,
1: again, you should.
0: <laughs> or you haven't seen it in a while. Here's a brief-ish synopsis. Suzanne Stone has always been obsessed with being on television, aspiring to become a world-famous broadcast journalist. Despite his sister Janice's concerns, blue-collar Larry Moretto marries Suzanne, and she uses the money from his family restaurant business to keep herself financially stable. She takes a job at a local cable station in the hopes of climbing the network ladder, and through relentless persistence, Suzanne is eventually promoted to doing the station's evening weather report. When Larry starts asking her to give up her career to start a family and help out at the restaurant, Suzanne immediately begins plotting to get rid of him. To this end, she uses the high school subjects of a TV documentary she's been making, Teens Speak Out. She seduces one of them, Jimmy Emmett, and manipulates him and his friends, delinquent Russell Hines and the shy Lydia Mertz, into killing Larry.
1: Now, can we just take a moment we when you say also like that she's working on like this network i mean it's, it's, it's nuff, like it's it's yeah. like uh public access practically right. you know yeah I,
0: but she's like what? what is it she's just like the, in charge of like the weather station like the weather channel she whatever, calls it like
1: and, the, the weather report or not the weather report what she call it
0: whatever it is wayne knight who's like the owner is just like like weather, sta- like weather station, like yeah. weather channel, like what? It's like, this is not a thing. This is, she's it's really, they're just looking for someone to get bagels. Uh, they're looking and for a PA. They're looking for a PA. And uh, instead they get, as he says, gangbusters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so great. And then her in her little like, pink power suits and her bright yellow pumps which i must say i was thrilled by um with her giant camcorder oh, and she's just there like with her handheld like talking to these these kids calling it teens speak, teens speak out, out and then asking them about drug usage and stuff right. I, I was curious by the end of the film mm-hmm. how early she had decided was she, did she decide to do this only to manipulate these kids, or was this? Did she really think it was also going to be a major project, or both? That's a good question. Because, because it they, clearly they was around. not Wayne Knight being like, hey, "Yeah, you know, it would be great." No, no,
0: no. Well, she every day she's coming in with all these ideas True. of like stories that she could do. She's so I like think the that's, the evil working girl. She kind of she kind of is. It's kind of if you just made yeah, it's if you combine like Working Girl and like Reese Witherspoon in Election, yes. But also made her not smart because she's got so. This this character is so brilliant to me because she's got such drive and determination, but she's also she's an delusional. idiot. She's
1: completely
0: delusional. I think she's
1: more delusional than she is stupid. Okay. Fair,
0: you know, well, sure, fair enough. I to me, I'm thinking of there's this that great scene with her and uh, George Siegel in an oh, uncredited cameo where yes. he's she, she's just like telling this story about this like wannabe like news newswoman who pretty much like submits like a letter. Here's my reference, and the reference is like pretty much just says like she gives great head. Yeah, is and then and he's like and that woman would turn out to be yada 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 but the twist is later he then told the man i was like thanks for that great recommendation letter and he was like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know that woman and nicole kimmon's like oh it's so, like i don't get it it's just like well he didn't write it oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, who, who so who did write it and he's like she wrote it herself
1: she's like oh mm, yeah <laughs> oh uh, but, no you're right you're right i mean she's um, not I, like i get what you're saying though full she's... up with deductive logic right but she, she's not
0: like uh yes i'm she's not like i'm an in idiot idiot but she is someone that is so massively delusional on what
1: she's not lady m for the amount of like strategy and stuff that she's trying to get she's she's also not tess and working girl who is like super smart in a package that people are not going to perceive that way
0: very true she's almost kind of the opposite because she comes in and she looks so polished she's so stylized she's she like looks like a million dollars so you're like oh this is like a woman who
1: Mm-hmm. She knows. She
0: knows. She seems to know exactly what she's doing, and then you realize there's nothing. There's, she's all style, no substance. Totally. Yeah.
1: But well, I, yeah. I mean, she marries Matt Dillon, which, like, if she was really thinking about, like, like climbing some kind of ladder, she would have, she would have kind of overstepped that rung. I if know. You
0: will. I, well, I, I feel like it was part her thinking. This is an idiot that I can just boss around. Sure. I'll, like, a, I can use this money. From the restaurant business. And it's
1: right here in front um, of me. To help
0: support me while I'm trying to make this happen. B it's like, yeah, of course. I'll go to New York. I'll be in New York. Like, I'll be doing this. I'm not going to be having kids. But, like, I can boss this guy around. This mm-hmm. is, he's going to be a pushover because he's so infatuated b- by her. Yeah, uh, And, yeah, it just ties into the dilution. Um, and I don't know because the, it plays around with the timeline a bit because it kind of is presented as, like, you're seeing all these interviews Nicole Kim's getting interviewed. Alana mm-hmm. Douglas as the Ugh. sister, who's so Queen-a. so good in this, so good in this, uh, being interviewed like on, on the ice rink, ice skating in, which is delightful. Um, she
1: literally skates in for her entrance, in for like that, so and funny. skates out for her and exit. She skates out for the exit. <laughs> That's it, really re- good.
0: it ties it all together. Uh, it's a great callback at the end. But yeah, I don't know because they play around. I don't know if she. I feel like she had just started interviewing these kids, thinking it'd be a good assignment, and then it quickly became like, oh, here's what. Because you who know what, she
1: did go into that classroom, and it was a whole classroom of people who. Who could have signed up, and they were the three that signed. They were up. the only. She develops a relationship, up. and then it's like, oh, okay. Yes. Being, I think she's very opportunistic rather than oh, yeah. actually like I agree. smart about how she's plotting things. So that's probably again like, oh, I see this money, this guy who has family money with this restaurant. Oh, I see these kids who are actually I can get them to do whatever I want.
0: Absolutely. Okay,
1: I'm glad we solved that mystery. Me
0: too. Though Larry's death is ruled as the result of a botched burglary, the police stumble across a teen's speak out clip of Suzanne at the teens school hinting at a relationship between her and Jimmy. The teens are arrested and connected to the crime scene. Lydia makes a deal with the police to converse with Suzanne while wearing a wire and Suzanne unwittingly reveals her hand in the murder. However, despite this damning evidence, Suzanne argues that the police had resorted to entrapment and is released on bail. Basking in the media spotlight, Suzanne fabricates a story about Larry being a drug addict who was murdered by Jimmy and Russell, his supposed dealers. Jimmy and Russell are sending- That
1: story, sorry, that yeah. story, the way that she oh, like lays it out is so implausible. He was
0: addicted to cocaine. I had hoped to never have to
1: But say also this. just like, and they became his suppliers and ultimately, it was just so I, like, yeah. y- your first draft of Hedaya what you write down is, is, is like,
0: fuming. these are
1: my plot line, my plot points that I'm going to write in an outline form as bullet points, and then I'll, I'll refine them later, make it sound like a human talking. Okay? And she oh. was just like, that's good Never. enough. Draft one will do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 exactly. Uh, Jimmy and Russell are sentenced to life in prison. Russell gets his sentence reduced while Lydia is released on probation. Meanwhile, Larry's father, Joe good old Dan Hedaya, realizes Suzanne was behind his son's death and uses his mafia connections to have her murdered. The hitman lures Suzanne away from her home. And that to me is like, why? yes, it's just so delusional. But to me, it's also like, you stoop. Where this guy is like, all right, here. Yeah, this big, great big news job is just uh, right around this this dark corner.
1: Right around <laughs> uh, under this Under this bridge. bridge on this icy Never river. Never a good idea to go under a bridge, even I in know. broad daylight.
0: No, no, no. Uh, the hitman kills her and places her beneath the frozen lake. Lydia gains national attention by telling her side of the story in a televised interview becoming a celebrity and Larry's sister Janice practices her figure skating on the frozen lake where Suzanne's corpse is hidden it's beautiful uh, I mean that it's this one long unbroken take of over the entire credit sequence and it, to season it's, of the witch to season of the witch uh, to uh, the perfect song choice it's
1: so good <laughs> it's very satisfying
0: it really really is now, before we move on, I want to introduce this episode's special guest we're so thrilled to have on the show, John Say of The Love of Cinema. Welcome, John.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm oh, so excited course. to be here. I mean, we brought out those trumpets for you. It was very special. <laughs> it, was big, it was a big deal. This is fun. Thanks, you guys. I haven't been a guest on anybody else's pod before. This is great. Oh. Well,
1: and you're our first guest, too. You are our first
0: guest on here,
2: what so
1: it's
0: oh. first all around. Uh, great. Do you want to tell us a little bit about The Love of Cinema, John?
2: Yeah, sure. We've been doing this for uh, since the beginning of last year. And basically, uh, me, Jeff Ostermuller, Dave Green, co-host, there's three of us, we uh, lived together for a long time. We're all in the filmmaking world. We're all independent filmmakers and teachers and stuff. And we always talked about how we we, we wanted to perhaps start a, not necessarily a podcast, but we were obsessed with the idea of trying to create a platform that had strictly positive criticism. Now, obviously, that sounds kind of boring when you spin it like that. So we were like, yeah, but how do we make it interesting? Because we don't want to just sit there and only kiss ass for these movies. So there is a drinking game around it. So basically, we're drinking the entire show. And anytime anyone says anything that's lazy or not constructive or stupid or just mean, you have to drink. And so we started doing it by the, uh, the years. We did some franchises and everything. But basically, yeah, we try to have fun. We try to speak constructively about movies. And whenever anybody makes a stupid mistake... They have to drink. So hopefully people play along and stuff. I'm doing it for, again, like almost a year now. We're coming up on that maybe the next three months. And uh, yeah, it's been going well. We've been having way too much fun. We definitely (laughs) want to get you
0: guys on there at some point absolutely absolutely well I, I you'll have me on very soon because i think we're yeah dropping these around the the same time because mm-hmm. we wanted to tie that in because you were doing uh 1995 you're going to be on with us uh tonight, tonight talking actually. some batman forever so i love how well this uh-huh. timed out because we're over here now talking about a different 1995 nicole kidman movie uh to die for john had you seen to die for before I had I had not seen
2: it, and I was actually kind of embarrassed about that. I felt like I had seen most of Gus Van Sant's movies. Um, I didn't even know about. I this know. Thing. Well, it feels so I felt... un.
0: I was saying earlier to Amy Jo, it feels a little un Gus Van Sant because I'm so used to like either like the the more mainstream like Goodwill Hunting, Finding Forster types, or the stuff like Elephant and you know Last Days and Jerry, mm-hmm. like the more like weirder stuff. And this feels like uh, a really cool, like slightly heightened gus van sant that i'm not used to seeing and i loved it
1: yeah it's not like trying to be important but it it, because of that like the satire is really able to shine through as opposed to some of the others which are excellent films but i mean i'm more familiar with the like serious prestige (laughs) situations you know Mm -hmm. so it feels yeah much quirkier. yeah i thought this was
2: yeah quirky was the word i kept going back to i was like this and because of that quirkiness it did have like a a very 90s independent film oh, yeah. kind of tone throughout. But I kept, I'm not going to lie, I kept expecting Gus Van Zandt to subvert that at some point. I thought it was going to go way darker Yeah. Then it ended up. It kind of maintained that that tone throughout, which I thought was interesting. Uh I don't think I would have guessed he directed this had you not told me who directed it. Had I just watched it Yeah, off? yeah. If I didn't look anything up and didn't know anything about it, I don't know who I would have guessed, but not him. Yeah
0: i get that i could see almost like if i had to have guessed like uh just because of election coming out a few years after like maybe like an alexander payne just still in that like exactly that's
2: exactly who i would have guessed dude. alexander (laughs) payne for sure
0: uh cool great so the casting directors of to die for were deirdre bowen and howard fewer bowen a two-time emmy nominee for joan of arc and life with judy garland me and my shadows has also cast such projects as the dead zone the fly billy madison a history of violence Eastern Promises and Kim's Convenience, and fewer cast our previous episode, *The Silence of the Lambs*, along with such films as *Dead Poet Society*, *Basic Instinct*, and *The Truman Show*.
1: Well, we love we love eclectic people I in our eclectic. field here.
0: Well, I love how much that first Ooh. one is just all like all <laughs> David Cronenberg, and then in the middle Billy Madison. Which I wonder if it's just like I don't I I want to cast a real dumb dumb comedy. I'm done casting these terrifying terrifying films. Uh, I know I won't have to deal with Christopher Walken or Jeff Goldblum when casting Billy madison <laughs> um but let's uh, yeah i feel like that was a dinner party oh, deal exactly that was like yeah, yeah two, two for you one for me and the, i want the billy madison i want that adam sandler i want on the adam i want the, on the sandler ticket <laughs> uh but let's uh, move on to some of the actors oh who were almost cast and some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. Uh, this is all a little subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe, and John will be hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, so Woo! let's kick it off with Suzanne. Amy Jo, uh, thoughts on Nicole Kidman? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else?
1: Okay, my main thought is that her accent is very obvious, <laughs> as it is in Big Little uh, Lies. Big Little Lies. <laughs> But I don't care because she's so good. I'm just like, I don't know where she's supposed to be from, other than like not Australia. But um but I don't care. She's she's wonderful. Um, you, don't, you don't
0: think there's the small subset of New Hampshire that sounds just like Australia?
1: <laughs> well, you know, there are some interesting accents going on in the Northeast. So who is to say? But I have I haven't run across that one myself. Um, but yeah, oh, she's so wonderful. It's it's very much the kind of performance that looking back I go of course Nicole Kidman gave this performance but because I was unaware of this film for so long I felt like oh it took Nicole Kidman a while to come into her own and no it didn't it just took a while before we caught up with what she was already doing you know sure I had two main thoughts I mean I had a lot of Different thoughts as to the ton of people who had been great in this, but the two that like I just kept seeing over and over were like a young Amy Adams mm. with just that kind of yeah. like that mm. smile and the hair and the the big eyes, you know. And then I have written down pre-drugs Lindsay Lohan <laughs> if she had stayed pre-drugs, which is not like my kind of thought. It's what I wrote well, down, um but it's just something about that kind of that intensity oh, sure. and that I don't know. I really was like oh i could see her doing this you know what it was it was the talking heads that reminded me of liz and mm. dick <laughs> um oh, oh my God, just liz like what is this where are we what time is now um but i was like oh yeah if she had actually delivered on the promise of her use well, we could sure. it could have worked sure. but those are my main thoughts i also thought like reese witherspoon is another game oh, sure. but it was because I mean, of yeah, election th- th- primarily yeah, of
0: course of course yeah i mean i think yeah. uh you i mean you saying Lindsay lohan made me actually think i hadn't considered her but her mean girls co-star rachel mcadams i think actually Ooh. would get would do would mm-hmm. have done really good if this was made was made whatever 10 years later or so uh but john what what are your thoughts and uh who would you cast if you had to cast someone else
2: yeah i mean i was thinking about that because what we'd had far and away i know i had seen that especially when i was mm-hmm. young like leading up to this um days of thunder right. was maybe her first like big 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 thing so like she definitely had that like the v- visual aesthetic, what's the most polite way to say that? Like, this woman has to be sexy, I guess, mm. because of the manipulation that she has. Like, um, And she also has to be, what do they say about her? Matt Dillon said something about how, when he's trying so hard to explain, like, what's so special about her? And he's like, she's, like, pure and innocent. So she has that weird dichotomy yeah, of, like, yeah. she has to be, like, really sexual and sexy while also having that, like, maybe fake, but pure thing. So I thought about Reese as mm. well. We swear this one popped in my head, but then I started doing, I started looking around a little bit, and I think my top Ooh. choice is Naomi Watts. Love it.
0: I mean, her mm-hmm. fellow, her think, fellow Aussie, uh, her fellow Australian. Uh, I, yeah, that's
2: I just feel like she she has that. Yeah. Mm. She has that thing. I am a huge fan of Mahalan Drive, and Ooh. I feel like this character could have popped in and out of one of those <laughs> kinds of situations. Uh, maybe not sweet enough, maybe not pure enough, but Diane Lane sure. popped into Diane my head Lane for maybe the more acting, sultry side. I
1: would believe that she could put <laughs> it just, on.
2: yeah i think so too i think she would be good um maybe too cute but meg ryan popped into my mind i'm not (laughs) the hugest fan of meg ryan's
1: uh, skill set i think what she does she does very well i but i do think like the her kind of chipperness and the that kind Mm -hmm. of like determined set of the jaw yeah i thought
2: it yeah i thought it would have been weird if we would have gone with Meg Ryan, I thought it would have been weird to see an actor that would have brought that type into it, and then watch her yeah, devolve it, it would. away from that chipper. Everything's fine to like watching her freak out because I I liked how in control Nicole seemed to be, but I was wondering if they had picked a if they had picked an actor who was a little bit uh, more flighty, if they would have had a little more anxiety in the latter half of the film. Mm-hmm. And I am not saying that was a good or a bad or any kind of criticism it's just the type. And then my last one that I thought just I've always liked her a lot. I think she probably would have been okay. Is Taylor Leone. Oh sure. Oh
0: yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. These are great. And yeah. a very a very solid 90s choice as well, very true. you know. Very true. Very true.
2: Like all these obviously i was like "Who was born in the 60s oh, yeah. i know uh
0: yeah i was thinking i mean i yeah amy adams is on my list as well i was thinking a little later on but i was like a Charlize, Charlize theron or a rosamund pike because mm-hmm. i also the other oh. thing i couldn't help think about watching this film was, was gone, gone girl, girl of the obsessed obsessive nature with like the tabloid uh aspect to both stories for sure uh, end of that like Yes. Oh, she's just this perfect, this beautiful facade. Um, which yeah. this feels perfect, yeah, like thing. the comedic yeah. riff on Gone Girl in some ways. This film of like Matt Dillon, like how do you not realize this partner you're with is going to have you killed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, maybe a big, a bigger swing, but like, give me like Parker Posey, Parker Posey into Die for, uh, <laughs> righteous indignation. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder. I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan
1: of Parker Posey, good. but I do almost wonder if casting someone who is primarily known for comedy doesn't in fact lean too hard in that direction and true. and i think one of the things that's so mm-hmm. brilliant about kidman's performance is it's like she's i don't know she's not in on the joke nothing is a joke to her true. you know and, yeah. and parker posey yeah. does that intensity super well but she's also so so funny it's yeah. like there's some people who it's like hard to for the audience to disassociate from that, but also sometimes for the performer, if they know they're in a comedy, to not, like, goose it ever yeah. a slightly.
2: Yeah. There's something about her that was unrelatable. And I think Nicole Kidman is kind of, in a way, she's always had that. Like, even by her more dramatic performance, like, in the hour, she tends to play, like, women that are, you can't, you have trouble accessing. Mm. And I feel like this is a, a specific kind of, you know, like, the pretty put-together, seemingly put-together woman in that tiny town that no one seemed to really understand everybody you know you're just learning bits and pieces about her through like these anecdotal perspectives from people who knew her and clearly nobody actually knew who right. she was i think
0: that really so yeah. oh, sorry what were you gonna say
2: no no no. i just i, I agree with you i feel like parker yeah. we may have had too much fun with parker <laughs> oh, as okay. much fun as oh, we would no, have okay. had
0: that's not the, the full-blown, <laughs> oh, do full-blown comedy <laughs> version yeah but i think what you, you struck <laughs> on something that i think nicole kibben is always so successful at is that like like with Big Little Lies in a very different way of the the exterior yeah. of like the perfect life yeah. and then you don't see of like the underneath that facade of everything going underneath whether or not it's in that case like an abusive marriage or in this case it's because this woman is psychotic Um but I think she does that so mm-hmm. so well Uh so this was really her like breakout role like as you said she was kind of known for being Tom Cruise's wife because right. she had Far and Away she had Days of Thunder Um and her first like big thing was uh, Dead Calm this Aussie thriller with uh with sam neill and billy mm. zane uh but so she had said you know, Wait, she, is
1: billy zane australian he's
0: not but i think that he was just like
1: okay i, think I was gonna I have to reassess sure australian
0: film. no 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 <laughs> you do not you, you do not have to reassess you. billy zane
1: <laughs> billy zane
0: um of <laughs> love when he comes oh, up though. sure why not why not billy zane sure <laughs> uh but so uh Kim had been in hollywood and she was kind of frustrated with like the roles that she was getting and she was like where's like the the films like these like the real art house films um she loved gus van sant she'd been a huge fan of his ever since seeing drugstore cowboy in uh, an art cinema in yeah. sydney and so when she learned that this film was getting made she like called her agent was like i gotta get a part of this no matter what and uh, her agent suggested that she find his home phone number and just call him up and she called him up and they just talked for two hours and uh what it van- worked it, it, I'm, it doesn't always work <laughs> But in I, this I would case, say
1: a home phone wow. number rarely is a good uh, plan.
0: <laughs> well, this is what Van Sant said. Wow. Van Sant said, i have wow. seen Nicole in Dead Calm, where she played a horror character under duress, and the movie she'd done with Tom Cruise, none really indicated that she was right for this movie, but she was so excited and forthright on our call, she said she was destined to play this part. I thought, if she's this into it, she'll probably do a really good job, and he called her back two hours later and told her she had the part.
1: Wow.
0: Jesus. But wow. for this role, I That's feel like perfect. it makes sense where you're like, oh, this the tenacity makes, yeah. of the actor combined with the tenacity of the character, you're like, yeah, oh, exactly. absolutely.
2: This obsession mm-hmm. with the the camera that she has in the character. And, and I feel like in Nicole's defense, she also... It was. It sounded like in her mind, especially now that we can look back and see the the breadth of work that she has in her weird range and her weird type. It does make sense that at the time she wasn't just a young actor saying, "Oh, I wish I had better roles." I feel like she knew, like, I have a very specific thing that if I access, I'll do it better than all the really yeah. pretty women that I get have the pretty something role to parts, say about that. I'll do it more interesting. Yeah ah that's cool
0: (laughs) yeah i think that's that's so like nail on the head uh and this she won the golden globe this year so this was like a real like oh you are an actor this is not just you know getting a little out from under the shadow of tom cruise and to that point there's a scene because this is based on a book there's a scene in the book where suzanne muses about who should play her in the movie version of her life and she says tom cruise's wife would be good no so it's like it did was. she know that? Stars. Did
1: she like read it?
0: I'm, she Sh- might. Ha-
2: Shame on you, Gus fan. <laughs> Gus, how did you not know that? <laughs> Why you
1: know, I mean, didn't it he consider a real, uh Nicole Kidman type, since it's been laid out in the novel.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but <gasps> oh, let's get into the other actors who were considered. And ding, ding, ding! To John, right off the bat, Meg Ryan was offered five million dollars to do the movie, turned it down.
1: Which we better watched. for us all. What was she?
2: I am curious what she was doing then. Keep talking amongst yourself. I'm going to look it up real fast. Oh, you might have it. Then.
0: You're going to look it up? Great. I mean, Kidman wound up doing it. Do you have it? Do you have it? Have what?
1: What she was doing at the time. Oh, what Do she was what doing? you have what I, Meg I, Ryan I, did she, in 1995? Uh,
0: French kiss with Kevin Klein.
1: Oh. Well, people saw that. movie. Uh, uh,
0: fine, inoffensive rom-com. I saw it on movie. TV as a young yeah. kid because I think I was like, ooh, French kiss. This is going to be like a – it was kind of for – I was like probably mm-hmm. 10. I was like, ooh, this is for – more an adult film this is like a sexier film adult. and it was yeah. uh, just kevin klein with a mustache uh, and a wacky french accent um as he often is, yeah. is
1: wont to be <laughs> i mean Ryan's I mean, yeah.
0: come up on this podcast before and i feel like she's always because she was up for clarice and silence of the lambs and i think she was always hesitant at that point yeah to be like, much
1: better for this film than for clarice let's well, be clear true.
0: this is true but it's still like i, I felt like she always yeah. had a hesitance to like break with her brand until it was yeah. kind of too late. And then yeah. it was like, she was like, okay, I'll do like, uh, in, whatever it was, in the cut, in like 2003, I'll do like a thriller and I'll be like naked and whatever. And I feel like it was like a, a too little too late before people were like, oh, Meg, we you, now we definitely can't see you as this now. That's, um, that's
1: really interesting because she's also like kind of from, well, she's right at the tail end of like what would lead to be like the 90s superstar celebrity kind of thing that now because of social media and the way that TV is, is is now functioning like we just don't quite have that anymore And there's much more accessibility to different celebrities and so there's also just less the brand has become something different it hasn't just become about what roles do I play it's like what do I post to Instagram you know like what is this celebrity yeah. saying on Twitter and so there's also like more of a desire I think for stars quote-unquote to also like play different parts but you still have people like of her generation you have like a julia roberts or even like a hugh grant who anytime hugh grant does something that is different than like oh shucks i'm this affable english guy people write about it because he's of a generation where it's like i just do this the one thing and i do the best
2: i do my thing yeah do you think yeah i mean i kind of don't i feel i don't want to put her in a box but like has she had she up until that moment ever done anything where she wasn't on the positive side of the story has she ever taken a risk to play somebody who could have been perceived as negative or had any negative traits or antagonistic
0: the way this woman is?
2: Was she well, scared? Yeah, I, Was she scared to break
0: away call from that? Egg, I, I would for. Prefer- call it negative of how long it takes her to order a dang salad and when harry met sally but hey. that's just me. Uh, yeah i don't think so i mean there's a lot of you know you've yeah. got your sleepless in seattles and you've got your when harry met sally's and whatever I, I i'm sure she has but they might have just been films that didn't do well and whereas the rom-coms and all were the films that did well so it felt like well i'm just gonna stick with what works though i do think that like having mm-hmm. someone like that where you have such an ingrained idea of them and what they do and playing against that by it would be very in this, interesting be yes. very interesting yeah these casting directors, obviously, they have a
2: big ass career of doing this stuff. I think that was wise. It was a good first choice. If that was part of their first yeah. offer, if they, you know, you know, got that together with Gus Van Zandt, I think that would have been very interesting. Cause like we could not have been at that time in her career, we could not have been more primed. To, to flip this have hair. meg yeah. ryan mess with right. us like, yeah between yeah. sleepless and seattle uh, and yeah. you've got
0: mail imagining the poster of this meg ryan with the like i'm like taking the robe off of like all she wanted was a little attention stepford Wy- like, why yeah. meg yeah. ryan America's sweetheart what okay
1: yeah yeah
0: uh, totally get that yeah. totally get that. uh michelle pfeiffer was considered oh,
1: that makes a lot oh. of sense. That why did none of us of think course. of this? <laughs> oh, of course, no.
0: she was dealing uh, with oh, some perfect. high schoolers in a different way in 1995, doing dangerous minds, very
1: different, very little different. different. Little oh, different.
0: sweet, cool, helping shape those dangerous minds, <laughs> not turn them into dangerous minds, <laughs> not,
1: not traumatizing <laughs> not, and abusing like those minds,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah. she'd be great. She'll <sighs> would be great, Patricia Arquette was considered.
1: Huh.
0: I, I
2: almost, I almost wrote her down. I feel like she's, you know how we were saying Nicole has that thing that is not quite totally accessible. I feel like Patricia is even more like, it's almost like a, a flaky distance, like away from her sometimes when she plays those like nicer, softer characters. But again, I feel like a Lynch, David Lynch has used her really well before. And that kind of, we almost know who she is and we don't know who she is in a way. I feel like she may have been too dramatic. Mm,
0: Maybe. Mm. Like if maybe when she
2: flipped it, it would have gone too dark. Yeah, like on the latter again, the latter half. I think she would have been really sweet in the first half, and then it would have been because
1: Nicole Kidman in this part is not aware that anything dark is happening. It is all striving upwards and (laughs) towards something, some bright flash bulbs, and it's like, well, (laughs) this is just what has to happen.
0: Even when she's like, you know, when like Mm -hmm. Lydia is trying to come to her house, and it's like Jimmy's outside, like he's like he just like loves you. We want to know, we're so scared, and she's just she's mad at them the way. Like someone would be if you got their restaurant order wrong. It's like you got the food wrong. And like you yes. keep like giving me my food is still cold. It's in
2: the It's in that uh it's in that one exchange, I can't remember who says it, where some somebody says, What happens if anybody says no to you? And she says, No oh, one mm-hmm. ever says yeah. no to me. I
0: mean that's the character. So
2: there's also like that. That strength and that status that, I mean, Nicole, she's a tall woman, but she also, she just carries herself. There's almost like a regal like power mm-hmm. that she just has to her type. And I, I don't know if Patricia would have had, or Meg, mm-hmm. for that instance, would have had that kind of, what happens if you say no to this woman kind of wait behind her. I don't know. It would have yeah. been interesting.
0: Uh, yes, but Patricia Arquette, uh, I probably, it, the role could have been hers, but she had to go to Asia for six months to film another movie. I believe it was this movie Beyond Rangoon. Uh, and so Van Zant was like, great, let's wait for her to be done and get back. And in that six months is when Kidman called him and he was like, well, maybe we don't need to wait the six months. Wow. So it was probably, once Meg Ryan turned it down, I think it might have been Patricia Arquette's to lose, which that's what happens if you, you know, six months away. She is
2: great. I do wish. I always wish I would have seen more of her. Totally. I love Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's not utilized.
0: Well, enough. Have, you, have you seen? Um, yeah. Oh, was it uh, Escape from Dannemora, the Showtime series? Oh, no. She still so gets her, her no. Benicio del Toro and so uh, Paul Dano. The three of them. Oh so shit! So good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah highly recommend i think it was on prime because it was on it was on showtime i think it was at least was on prime a little while ago Uh, i watched it that was in the beginning of uh, the pandemic when i was like i guess i'm just gonna watch everything under the sun (laughs) so (laughs) long ago yeah Uh, there's a little weirder one jodie foster was considered
1: well if meg ryan can be up for (laughs) then that's that's uh wow i'm not like absolutely not but it is a little less of a gimme Than than some of the others. Yeah,
2: I mean, she's probably got the chops, right? We could we could say like, okay, she's got the actor, but type wise, yeah, I agree with you. She is she is not the right type in my mind for this role. But she would have done a weird, interesting Jodie Foster thing with it, I guess. Like she's she's always it's like Nicole
1: Kidman (laughs) is this like souffle that you find out is actually made of iron, but like it's all the stuff on top. Whereas like Jodie Foster, I don't know how you get through that like so hearty
0: meatloaf of a woman.
1: Look, the metaphor yeah. isn't 100% sound. I didn't really think about it. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's like, it's much more like there could you know, have been, forceful and, and straightforward. There
2: could have been an interesting, not to pull on like other of her famous roles, but like uh, she often like plays up in her class. Mm-hmm. She's always like struggling. So it could have been interesting to see a girl from a town that size trying to be the mm. most beautiful yeah. girl trying to wear that much makeup and that hair like that that could have been interesting to see her a little more desperation not quite owning it it would have been very different than nicole casually owning it but i don't know maybe that would have been more obstacles to play with that could have been fun for her Mm -hmm. as an actor for sure uh
0: jennifer connelly was considered oh i like Uh, that. it's just a great that the severity oh i think she has like down pat that of uh, I mean the eyebrows, those mm-hmm. eyebrows alone of just imagining that like, they'll do a you lot of acting How do you say you. To those eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> so many close-ups. <laughs> <laughs> that, that close-up that kept coming back to just eyebrows. <laughs> she
2: would have been great. She's like the brunette Nicole Kidman. I feel like they they've all they're very fairly similar yes. to me. I think there's a little more evil potential in Nicole's type that we've seen her and doing her work than than Jennifer over the years. There's a little more sincerity to Jennifer Connelly. I think that. I love her. Yeah. She was. I loved her since I the mean, Labyrinth, you guys, when we were kids. On. I was like, give yeah, me, me that. Of, She's so you cool. You have no power over wanted <laughs> to hang out with
1: her. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, Su- Su- whereas Suzanne in this film would gladly give over a baby to a Goblin King if it would get her on TV. <laughs> she,
1: would, she doesn't want a baby anyway. Oh, please. For sure. Please, Is, is there David a Goblin Bowling. King
0: I can make a deal with? Uh, I have a feeling... Amy Jo's going to like this casting option. Joan Cusack was considered <laughs> She's perfect. She is on my Ooh. list,
1: but I was trying to keep it n- under, you know, I had like 10 people. i was like, this is too many, but Just obviously Joan Cusack. Adam's come on. Family
0: Values, Debbie Jalinski Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. definitely, definitely. I would love I feel that. like similar to my idea of Parker Posey. I feel like that does put it far more in the it does. full-blown comedy camp. Um,
1: However, I do think, again, Joan Cusack we mainly know her for comedic roles but they're not necessarily in like broad comedy the way like Parker Posey is in Waiting for Guffman you know it's like that's true there's just a different quality to like at what point does someone walk the line between like a comedic actor and a comedian who is also an actor and I feel like obviously Parker Posey is a comedic actor but because she does a lot of comedies with comedians it feels like there's a little bit more of like on one line or the other yeah
0: Ding 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 again to John. Diane Lane auditioned for the role, yeah. <laughs> which I yeah. Aw. she'd been Good great. I mean, of course, you know Diane Lane would uh, go on to give many great roles, and really, uh, what was it uh, Unfaithful? You know, got her the Oscar nomination in like 2002 yeah. or something. Yeah, but this would I think. I'm... Is she funny enough?
2: <laughs> does she have the comedic it's side true. to her or is she just way too sensual? it's, <laughs> it's just, just she's
0: just playing sex i know i'm trying to think of like the other films i've seen <laughs> she is just walking uh, mean of, of, of like stuff that might have been a little lighter
2: and honestly when you t- all right so when i looked this up initially when you told me about this last week and i was like doing a little research on the movie i think looking back on it goss van sant directing i thought it was going to feel more like a movie that diane lane would have mm. played this role in Mm -hmm. you know it's again it surprised me with this quirky thing that we're talking about so yeah if he had gone more dramatic and a little bit more
1: is dark 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 comedy because she would have been yeah i I mean
0: i think you kind of need you need that level of satire and that quirkiness because otherwise this film is so depressing if it's i mean some of these scenes with like
1: between her and joaquin
0: phoenix is like this is just gets so dark but because it has that Little that just that it manages to like ride that line like so well.
1: Wait, I'd like to read yeah. one of the notes I took during the film. I just want to make sure I get it verbatim. This is notes on a scandal Please. but trash. <laughs> um and I don't mean the movie's trash. I mean it's like somehow <laughs> like, trashier so than notes yeah. on a scandal. Yes,
0: this this movie could have used Judy. It kinda of reminded me around. of Fargo
2: a little bit. It had mm. kind of that small town Coen Brothers murder yeah. thing going on. But again, I feel like where they Decide to like turn and go like really violent and dark. This one kind of stayed in that like in that kind of quirkier satirical
0: place. She she totally oh, agreed it. Instead, she was doing in 1995 Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh my god.
1: I can't, I have nothing to Bro. add. I was just making a face, which is of course inaudible Perfect for a non
0: visual medium. Hey. Okay. Um, we also have um, Melanie Griffith. Oh, yeah. Your face was considered, totally which uh. <gasps>
1: Totally. I mean, after after Working Girl and having because we did an episode on that a couple months ago, I mm-hmm. see it very clearly. I think if I hadn't rewatched Working Girl, so because we were saying that it was kind of like, yeah, an, an evil, evil test, if you will. Um, yeah. I think if I hadn't rewatched Working Girl in, in recent, uh, if it wasn't in my recent memory, she would never have occurred to me. I'd have been like, what are you talking about? But she is a bit more of kind of what you're talking about with Jodie Foster, where. She reads rough around the edges, at at least in what I'm most familiar with her. And whereas like Nicole Kidman is just like, I'm perfect and I was born this way, deal with it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me,
0: very similar to Jodie Foster, Holly Hunter was considered. Mm I mean, in terms of stature, you got to fight against the (sighs) physical stature of being a teeny tiny Holly Hunter.
2: Yeah, I thought about Holly Hunter too, and and I mean she's. You know, she's she's very pretty, of course, but it's such a strange type that if it was important to them to have this woman just be obviously the most beautiful in every or beautiful woman in every room, or at least think she is and have the small town people also mm-hmm. think she might be, then I feel like Holly Hunter would have been a too interesting of a choice. It would have, you know, you it want, would have created a you little bit too much. You want
1: someone with an extremely symmetrical face in this part. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's aesthetically pleasing yeah. to everyone. I mean...
2: She, well, she, and she literally gives at least one monologue, right? Nicole Kidman's character where she's like, that's happened to some people where they accidentally see their face on camera and that makes them want to be on camera because of how good they look on ca-. Like, there's so much vanity. And it's, uh, I feel like if that was important to them, then I do think she needed to be objectively beautiful. One of the beautiful, most beautiful right? actors right? Whatever the hell that means. Yeah. I, you know what I mean?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, this next option might not make any more sense than Ellen DeGeneres was considered. <laughs>
2: I still want to see that yeah, movie really no, bad, I'm, though.
1: I'm not disinterested, <laughs> yeah. but especially because I'm thinking of no Ellen now.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Huh. Is
0: is a thought. Is a thought.
1: Well, I think that ups the core wow. factor that by been been 10,000. This is know? true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Yeah, so much. Yeah, everything we said about Parker Posey and... Joan Cusack, right, is, right. I, feel, I feel like it's wide open now. Are they considered wow. Ellen? Wow, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, this I found interesting. Tatum O'Neill was considered, because she hadn't really had much going mm. on movie-wise for about five or six years mm-hmm. prior to this. And to me, I was like, oh, that's really interesting to take someone who was, who was famous, a child star, and have them playing someone who is... Desperate to be famous, opposed to someone where I feel like they got Nicole Kidman like right at the right time, where you have someone who's kind of in movies, but it's like, oh yeah, but she's not actually she's Tom Cruise's wife more than she's Nicole Kidman. So someone who's like not yet big, similar to like some of these people, like you know, Jodie Foster had two Oscars at this point, Holly Hunter had an Oscar of the people that were you're like, yeah, but you're playing at something opposed to the Nicole Kidman who is like, I am desperate to be taken seriously as an actor. Well,
1: and it also plays with the audience's preconceived notions of these people if you have tatum o'neill we're reading a double narrative with that because like we're not unaware of where she came from and who her father was and all this kind of stuff like that just is going to play into our understanding of the film in a way that i think you're exactly right it does really successfully with kidman even looking back on it knowing at the time she was like the wife of the most famous hollywood star then and is he still the most highly paid tom cruise I don't know. Does not he get paid a lot for I'm, those Mission I, Impossibles? Um, he does, but I
2: I think the uh doing the Rock Johnson. If you make enough
0: movies <laughs> 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 then you're the highest paid star. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I think you are I think you are one hundred percent right though. Like there was a perfect amount of what we thought we knew about that beautiful woman mm-hmm. that Tom Cruise was married to. And this, you know, you know, mass of talent underneath that no one knew anything about with this perfect little character that was obsessed about trying to get into the limelight. Like it kind of just as an audience member at the time, I bet that was a strange kind of voyeuristic Mm -hmm. feeling you may have had in the theater watching it. Yeah. So it was perfect. Again, it's kind of insane to me that no one had even thought of her. She wasn't even considered. Until she called them.
0: Um, I'm. Yeah, I guess not. I, she might have been like whatever. That's what you considered. read. Yeah. From, my, from my research, all it was was that she. I mean, she might. Have, maybe yeah. she was like on some long, long list of we're like, oh yeah, don't worry, you're under consideration, like all of Hollywood, and that was why she's like, okay, I'm just gonna call him up directly and being like, hey, here's why. Throw those yeah. other names in the garbage. Sorry, Patricia. Stay in Asia mm. as long yeah, as you want. Going in the garbage. You're in no rush to get back. oh uh, Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Patty. Patty. Uh. <laughs> Um I ca- I like this option. Mary Louise Parker was considered.
1: Oh man, this is a good part, especially for young Mary uh, Louise Parker.
0: I so see that. I mean, especially I mean, I yeah. watched all of Weeds and that like level of manipulation that she could get into in that show mm-hmm. of just like, being able to convince herself like, "Oh, I'm doing this for the right reasons. I'm going to do the- I'm doing this for my family." She's kind of like the female Walter White in that way on Weeds um but I I could so see that especially all the scenes with her and like and the students uh in the classroom scenes of like all that you know what now that
1: you've said that she is in my mind more of like prestige dramas Parker Posey in the kind of like they have a very similar look and intensity but somehow I buy Mary Louise Parker as like Look, I saw her head of Gabler on Broadway. I did not care for it, but you're not putting Parker Posey and head of Gabler on Broadway. You know what I but mean? But why not? Please that. Yeah. No, Parker I w- Posey I head of Gabler on Broadway. love first that. first in
0: line. But I mean, I'll be first in line for anything on Broadway right now.
1: <laughs> I'll go see Wicked know, again. Would I? I'd see anything. I don't know. I'd see anything.
0: <laughs> Uma Thurman was considered. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. now gus van sant had Ooh.
0: just worked Ooh. with her on his previous film the critically reviled flop even cowgirls get the blues so i have a feeling that no one was gonna allow him to be like you cannot have her in this film we can't have another another i just can't love the, the phrase again. critically
1: reviled it just it's terrible but it tickles me ever so much
0: there's no other way to describe it looking reading the reviews on it, it was like yikes yowza yowza
1: I see that though if you're wow. looking for someone who has a sort of almost unearthly kind of beauty quality like uma is like yeah v- very in the same like ballpark as nicole where you're just like how does a person look like that
0: you yeah. know yeah what are they alien alien, alien. Just... i mean in terms of the, the <laughs> yeah. height she's got that height of just to tower over you know mm-hmm. joaquin and casey affleck and them uh and yeah i think she'd be, i mean i always loved Uma. uh i think she'd be really good i think that she could also tap into even though she doesn't usually play that that kind of a uh, vapidness, the, the the blankness that nicole kidman has mm-hmm. at times where it's like as soon as she doesn't understand something um that you see like the eyes are blank and she's just like oh like uh-huh yes it's like of course i understand even though it's like there's mm-hmm. nothing going on i think there were some really good picks i mean i think mm-hmm. yeah. nicole kidman is, is still my favorite it's of a these solid people, crush but, it's some, a crushing list of amazing actors. Uh, but let's keep it going with Larry. Uh, so let's start with John. Your thoughts on Matt Dillon as Larry. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else?
2: So, all right. I was looking around at these guys. Obviously, he kind of has to have that meathead hmm. thing, right? Or at least has to be a little less than totally sharp. <laughs> I feel like that was kind of important. He couldn't have like anticipated any of this or it wouldn't have been as funny. Or I think it would have worked. So I was trying, I was looking back because like a lot of those leading guys who are around his age, I don't think have that quality. So he needed to have that for sure. Um, this is kind of random, but I thought a, like a young Lev Schreiber may have had that kind of, yeah kind of had that big guy. Like maybe he's got a little too much A little too uh, one-track mind in his pants kind of thing and about the other stuff. He's just not really thinking about the big-picture deal. Christopher Maloney, the young Christopher Maloney, I thought would have had a similar... Maybe to... He might be the muscle for the mafia. So it was a little (laughs) like around that age. Maybe that wouldn't have worked. This this is totally random. If they wanted to go a total other way, which I thought would have been really cute and funny, is a young Rob Lowe. I thought he would have been Mm -hmm. like a... Very, like sweet like a totally different take on it and in that same kind of ballpark i said john cusack mm. just because i thought he would have been kind affably of goofy stupid. yeah not quite there yeah, yeah at least i said mark ruffalo too yeah. but mm-hmm. i think he's a little too edgy i don't know yeah. I don't well know, it isn't like yeah it. it's
0: like it's hard where it's like you want you of course are not happy this person is dead but if you have like a such a what like a sweetheart of your like you can't kill i mean not him but like if it's paul rudd playing larry you're like you can't. No! What, the, the movie just becomes like it ends Save when he Paul! dies, right?
2: You can't kill Paul Rudd. You I guys can never kill Paul Rudd. I don't know if he's ever been killed. <laughs> he in a is movie, immortal. But I think
0: he hasn't. I think he's <laughs> I mean, constantly invulnerable because of he's Paul Rudd, actual <laughs> vampire, <laughs> actual vampire, actual vampire Paul Rudd. Uh, and I like the Liev Schreiber. It gives you which they don't with Matt Dillon. I feel like they ride that line nicely because if you you could leave Schreiber, I could so see being like he doesn't deserve to die, but is he kind of the worst? yeah of like someone who's just a bit too Mm -hmm. a a gruffer guy whereas this guy's just like yeah such a dope such a sap to not see what's going on and just to imagine there's a world where Mm -hmm. this woman is gonna like stop what she's her pursuit of a career and have some children with him
1: when he's holding up that baby in the backyard he's like you want one of these and she's like no i was like they didn't have this conversation before they got married he just assumed and she was like Why would I do that? Not even thinking that's a question. It's like that's that's probably unwise on everyone's part. (laughs) It led to murder.
2: I guess they. It was weird. They don't want. I get clearly they didn't want us to have any justification for her to do it, other than just he's inconvenient in her life. Like as soon as he creates inconvenience, he's gone. Not because he was abusive. Not because he was uh, controlling or anything. He's kind of a pushover, right? Until he has that one conversation. Yeah.
0: Um, but Amy jo, uh what were your mm-hmm. thoughts and uh, who'd you cast?
1: I thought he was great. I'll be honest. I don't have a great depth of knowledge as to the career of Matt Dillon. <laughs> uh, just didn't see a lot of things <laughs> sure. that he was in, but I yeah. think his wonderfulness watching this again made me go like, did I not give Matt Dillon a fair shake? Should I see Matt Dillon and think, but I think he just has done a lot of movies. I don't yeah. care if I see or not. It's probably the truth. To that. But I thought he was great. Um, if this movie was made a little bit later, I actually thought, taking back to Gone Girl, like Ben Affleck would actually yeah, be really I mean, great in this part. You
0: get yourself Rosamund Pike as Suzanne. Yeah. You get yourself. You get ben yourself Affleck a kind of dumb log. He doesn't know what's going on, and now, whoops, he's getting whoops. Killed.
1: And then I thought, now I know this is an actor who mainly works in the American accent, but I think that him in an American accent in this part doesn't make as much sense as him in his native British accent, and that'd be Christian Bale. It's kind of this like. Mm just like thinking about him as like what we know about him as a person kind of having like a temper and Mm -hmm. and being you know i think about like young misbehaving christian bale in a british accent If this is like a more of like in the suburbs of london kind of uh film uh i was like oh yeah i could see that just this kind of like guy who works at a bar and, and and has that kind of blue collar kind of uh vibe but we don't intrinsically no to hate you know I right. think he would ride that line well
0: yeah totally mm-hmm. I think those are all great options yeah I was definitely thinking an Affleck uh I was thinking of the time I was like for 1995 it was like an Alec Baldwin of someone who's like also because mm. you can easily change this so it's not about whatever Italian-American family with mafia connections it could be whatever you get I mean I think Matt Dillon is actually Irish 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 Catholic so he just you know he taps into that aspect of it instead so it doesn't have to be this italian but if you're doing that i could see like the alec even though i don't think alec baldwin's italian either but either an alec baldwin or if it was made a little later like a john bernthal or a bobby cannavale all kind of Ooh, hit this bobby similar cannavale.
1: i'm into that
0: sweet spot um but yeah i thought Dylan, i thought matt Dylan was great and in terms of who was considered <laughs> hold the phone <laughs> it is time for us to play a quick round of Two Truths and, and Some Guy. Okay. Two of the following actors yeah. were up for the role of Larry, and one was not. John, first, you're going to guess first. Your options are... Okay. So two were considered, one was not. Your options are Stanley Tucci, Tom Sizemore, and Vigo Mortensen. Which of them was not Ooh. considered? I'm going to say... Vigo
2: Mortensen was not considered Amy Cho.
1: I'll be honest. (laughs) I know this name, but have no idea who Tom Tom Sizemore Sizemore is. Mm -hmm. So let's go with that so he's, gonna, he's, so he's he's gotta, gotta go, go. <laughs> i am sorry you are
0: both incorrect as far as i could tell stanley Tucci uh. was not considered well for it was Larry. such an
1: absurd choice i thought it had to be uh. correct i kind of find them all absurd. yeah
0: it's like it's a wild card yeah. uh, i know yeah. tom sizemore was in like stuff like saving private ryan he was in heat in 1995 where he was doing he's a difficult man who now doesn't usually get cast in things
1: anymore because oh. he's
0: a difficult man it's uh, not worth it Vigo you know,
1: I can see Vigo like being yes, yeah. like he's I don't know, he's just weird like enough. The guy from Green yeah. Book
2: is thirty years younger. Yeah, actually you're right. <laughs> I mean that I, to me, that's
0: a weird choice of like, Aragorn in this of just Vigo's just a weird yeah. guy to me, but you're yeah. right. Literally him and Green Book uh thirty, yeah
1: two
0: yeah two and a ha- half hair. decades earlier you're like yep <laughs> that's it that's the one
1: uh, when was a perfect murder it was like 94 um, or I think, around this I time think, around, i think 96 96? I, th- or 90, I think 97 i think vigo
0: mortensen in 97 did both a perfect murder and the psycho remake because that was his year of unnecessary hitchcock remakes <laughs> that nobody asked for uh, and <laughs> wow. um, and nobody saw no 1995 vigo had a busy year he was in Crimson Tide. Uh, the prophecy where he's playing lucifer to christopher walken's uh gabriel and this bananas brendan fraser movie the passion of darkly noon that i saw on hbo when i was a kid and freaked me out just a weird 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 film um but yeah, weird. Before Vigo really like broke out, but like I guess I could see it. I can't really see it. I it's think so Matt Dillon's great of those guys. Like
1: Viggo Mortensen is someone who I did not know ha- existed until Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like truly had never heard that name. And you would remember the name Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. And to find out that he had been making movies all this while and I had just missed it. It's still like, uh, like unsettles me, you know, I'm just like, how did that, how, how did this happen? And I, he's it's strange. Yeah. He's,
2: It's strange, after Lord of the Rings, I feel like he still kind of stays on the fringes. Like, he's he usually doesn't have, like, the most popular movie. He's not usually in the most popular movies, is he? No, I mean, he
0: had, like, after Lord of the Rings, they tried to, like, make him, like, Hidalgo. I love him in
2: the Cronenberg movies. yeah, yeah. And I like um, Captain
0: Fantastic several
2: years ago. That was really cool. And obviously, he was good in Green Book. But, I don't know, I feel like he always kind of does an uncharted path well at any given moment he might actually still be aragorn just living out in the woods that's by himself that's my feeling so
0: i fully expect that that's why it's like he's like i'm not gonna live in hollywood i'm living on a farm in norway and gonna just do the no. thing and then occasionally he's yeah. he's kind of just like the less prestige daniel day lewis to me and that he's just like off the grid and they'll like they'll bring you in and you'll prepare for your character for green book whatever you ate an entire pizzeria and lived as in character and xyz mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. To perfect the accent uh and as aragorn she's like oh yeah great i'm mm-hmm. gonna go fight some orcs for three years to go prepare for this now
1: and do a weird in between accent and
0: do a weird in between accent um i could see him but i think matt <laughs> dylan they, they oh, matt dylan nailed it on the head is perfect yeah, also if
1: you're gonna make him be like yeah. the son of someone with mob connections it's like not the first thing i think when i see him but then i'm like uh i, I see it i think they do a
0: great job family casting in this film oh him they is look, the, look him is the son of dan Hedaya and maria tucci I think is so so good, and the and, and uh, yes, and uh, Elena Douglas as there's, the sister Janice. There's that shot incredible. where
1: all three of them, like not Matt Dillon, where the other three are like looking up at the TV together, and it's like their noses mm-hmm. all look. It's really wild how you just totally buy that. Like yeah, this is a this is a family unit. Yeah,
0: it's
1: wild. It I is. enjoyed it.
0: Wild. Uh, but let's speaking of the other family casting, she's she barely has anything to do with this film. But let's talk briefly about Carol uh amy joe your thoughts on holland taylor as nicole kidman's mother carol and who would you cast if you had to cast someone
1: else i love holland taylor holland taylor's awesome and everything i want more holland taylor and everything <sighs> and i think she's fabulous in the movie if i had to go with anybody else and these are not i think holland taylor is the best of these but i was like i don't know put christine baranski in there you know it maybe skews a bit too comedic but then again she's an actress <laughs> Uh, and then this is a this is a wild thought but i was like why not mary testa why not broadway's mary testa in sure. there playing a playing a mom but i was like how do you you can't improve on holland taylor i think
0: this is true the only way i think to improve is i could easily see this movie similar to like a big little lies is as a mini series which then you have got more time cuz i was like what do so you stat? want meryl in there no just i want more time with holland taylor yes. i want more time with kurt wood smith yeah. want, and dan hiday and maria tucci i want and like this nicole kim sister who's like just around i just want like i think that there's enough meat here that you could spread out over like a nice six episode showtime series um i don't need this to be remade but if that was what had happened at the time instead just to get more time because you've got like amazing actors with like like holland taylor with not much to do and
1: in this really weird relationship to each other like post-murder and them all finding out what happened and they're all in this talk show together but also like they're laughing together like it's so strange to think like what is that dynamic like between all of these people like it's hard to tell cuz they're like on tv yeah. you know so they're all like making nice but is that
0: is is that uh talk show where the, the the four parents are on is that supposed to be after nicole kidman's gone missing when does that take place yeah i'm not sure or if it's like during the trial maybe
2: yeah i thought she was already already dead because I feel like they said that's the last time yeah. we saw her. Uh, yeah, I couldn't they, remember They made who, a couple yeah. comments like that. But you're totally right. I was thinking about the that dynamic was like, that is what TV used to feel like. <sighs> mm-hmm. Like anytime you turn on a television during the daytime in the 80s and 90s and stuff, it felt like we used to refer to it right, as the idiot box. And it was all just bullshit. It just felt like it had that, there was nothing realistic about what was happening in a lot of that daytime, especially at the talk shows. The tone of them were not satirical at all. They were they were fantasy mm. they like had this like everything's okay vibe all the time so i thought it was weird and cool it was ineffective that we were introduced to them in that setting not oh, in their that. flashbacks to their actual families that we met them in that weird setting where you know we had no idea what was happening and they were like yeah bantering back and forth and he accused him of being in the mafia he was like sorry he was like it's okay <laughs> i get so, it it was like so strange. Definitely. she was great though yeah i didn't uh I don't think I have anyone to replace her. Bransky would have been great. I thought maybe, I don't know. I thought, I was thinking of like some of the, maybe like B. Arthur. Oh, I know she's like much yes, older looking than she Arthur, is, but I just you know, Always a star like getting, that would have dominated, dominated yes, right? I would love <laughs> she would have been like, well, now we got to know what's happening with <laughs> yeah, B. Arthur.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Holland yeah, was right. Rue McClanahan. Ooh! I'm just thinking of people <laughs> yeah. that have very similar hair yes. to Holland Taylor in this film. Just, just
1: a poof <laughs> Poo-
0: poofy <laughs> Buffons, poofy Buffons. Um, that's why my thought was like I was thinking Jackie Weaver. <gasps> just thinking of her in like Silver Linings Playbook, mainly because mm-hmm. of the hair. I was like, or maybe a Diane Weest, But then it's I'm like, you gotta give her more to do. Then if you have Diane Di- Weest. think about think about a young like, yeah, Diane exactly. Weest in the Nicole Kidman part. Ooh, like, interesting.
1: she's so funny, but it's also Ooh. such an... I think about her and Hannah and her sisters, and it's like, what a tour de force comedic performance that is. And it's light, it's kind of dopey and quirky. You know, it's so different from the, like, steely matriarch, Diane Weiss, we've come to know...
0: That's steely matriarch with uh, mm-hmm. Avon calling in Edward's scissor hands. That's I—I I just think of her as just like the sweet, this sweet like, like Avon. Hello, oh, no, you poor little scissor-handed boy, in you go. Yeah. You're coming home with me.
1: It's been so long since I've seen that film. I did not know she was in it.
0: Oh, so. she's great. She's great in it. Um, but here's who was up for Carol. Which it has—I have to imagine that maybe there was a longer cut of this film, or they just had more scenes. Sally Field. Was considered. And if you got Sally Field as the mom, you got to have wow. more for her to do.
1: There's some scenes that yeah. were cut. Yeah. Or she yeah. said no because she was like, "You think I'm gonna do what for? For what?
0: Could be. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I
2: mean, type. Yeah. Type wise, like totally. I think it could have worked. But he, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. I don't think they could have possibly had someone with You're that stature there the whole movie waiting for small. a big
1: monologue <laughs> or something. You know that then never arrives. Yeah.
2: When are they gonna have their Exactly. Confront, yeah, exactly. There's no confrontational scene yeah. or anything.
0: Similarly, originally cast was Susan Sarandon.
1: Well, t- good type I, wise. I, did,
2: I thought about her, but yeah, but again, it's just there's. they must have cut something right. out. Like This would only have made sense if their family had had another scene that was just them and there was because remember when, uh, when she's going to get married, uh, the mother doesn't even talk to her. So Holland Taylor's character doesn't have the talk. It's mm-hmm. her father who says, I don't know about this guy. And he tells the story about how she laughed him right. off and that's like the last time they have a private moment with her in the entire movie. And that's like 20 minutes. Yeah, in. And you get that wonderfully so, creepy moment yeah. of
0: Nicole Kidman kissing Kurt Smith on the cheek. And she's like, I'll never find anyone better than you, daddy. And he's oh, like, what? 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 But now instead, because it was 1995, oh, instead of doing this, Susan Sarandon, good choice, because she instead did Dead Man Walking and won that Oscar. She so, did okay. I mean, come on. Uh Slightly better role, I guess. Yes. Little yeah, so a little bit more to do. A little more meat on the bone to... for that role.
1: <laughs> but I do just think that not bit. having a major star in that role means that all four of those actors can really just, those those roles can be populated by character actors who are total like that guys. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you don't know who Dan Hidea is, mm-hmm. you still know who Dan Hidea is, even if you don't know his name. You've seen him in a bunch of, you know, and so they all kind of feel like, the type of folk that are like really good at coming in, nailing something in a very short amount of time, but not attracting too much attention to the performance just by virtue of them existing in it.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And this is like, this is the whole conversation I'm sure you all have, you know, all the time, right? Like the art of casting, mm-hmm. like, it, it would have been very irresponsible for any of those people you just listed to be in this role. <laughs> there, there would have been, we would have been confused why they're not talking more often the entire movie. yeah. <laughs> When is Sally Field going to go right. off? Or, like, or when is Susan Sarandon going to... Yeah, Definitely. it's, a, it's a good example. Yeah, you have certain yeah.
0: expectation. And it's also because this cast, it's such a stacked cast, but also because so many of these actors would then go on to be so big. Um, I mean, Nicole Kidman, of course. And uh, our next person, uh, Jimmy. So, John, your thoughts on Joaquin Phoenix, uh, who had, like was like a, a child star in some stuff, and then like yeah. five or six years with nothing, and then this was like, a w- welcome to yeah. like being a grown-ish like i think like 19 when he did this film uh which is amazing to me uh but what what are your thoughts on joaquin and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i mean he was great yeah i was just looking over at the stuff he had done before this like nothing you know
2: nothing huge just a few some of the small part stuff supporting roles coming up obviously he was wizard. river's brother so like people i bet people went to the movie theater and they were like oh that's river phoenix's brother because you know drugstore had not been like too long ago and anyway um he as we've come to know him he's got his he's you know i think he's one of the better actors of his generation for sure but he has a serious like screws loose kind of quality to him especially when he's younger and they don't know what his range is yet we've seen him do a lot of stuff now but like first and foremost he has to be unstable so again i was trying to think back to like guys who are coming from his generation but that had for me that had to be the standout quality was that there's something wrong with them. A little bit less so than Casey Affleck that we'll yeah. get to in a little bit. There's a little bit more straight punk. This guy's got to be like mm-hmm. something's off. So I actually went with Christian Bale was my first huh. one. Um you know he's just he's always scared me. I think there's yeah. something wrong with him. He's a wonderful <laughs> actor but like that guy's that guy's got some serious rage issues and I don't know I could see him being a high schooler who gets manipulated and murders someone. I would totally yeah. believe that. You could tell me he actually did that, I'd be like, yeah, of course he did that. <laughs> but um, just to
0: prepare for a role, <laughs> yeah, so like, sure, sure. For
2: yeah. The craft. Killian uh, Murphy, great oh, choice. sound that. kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Again, kind of scary. I thought, uh, I know he wasn't really famous at all back then. I'm just, he probably wasn't even on the scene at all. But I thought Zachary Quinto might have been an interesting, oh, interesting, strange yeah. choice. Like, not quite as dumb. He probably wouldn't have played it as dumb as, as. James is played by Joaquin, but maybe like already thinking about killing the guy kind of, mm-hmm. sc- kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I also had Jared Leto down there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe too soft though. I don't know. Maybe he'd be a little bit too sweet, but he actually was probably the closest to Joaquin's. So I feel like he, like in terms of the way he played it. And then I also had uh, Michael C. Hall, which I know is random, but I feel like he, But yeah, maybe as a very oh, sure. young person could have slipped in there yeah i think that's it because he that's kind of i, got, I feel like know. he
0: was already i think like late 20s by the time of like six feet under which was like his first like big thing for right. film because he'd you know of course he was a theater actor uh but yeah probably young young michael c hall if he'd broken into film earlier i could totally see that yeah and i was also thinking yeah. christian bale for that for that especially for like that time maybe maybe a little earlier if this is like 1990 1991 yeah Age wise, but uh, he's definitely Laurie, got that terrifying in this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, eight pack, pack to pack. Oh, I love it. Uh, Amy, Joe, and uh, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, he's terrifying in this. <laughs> it's, it's the. I'm always astonished by actors who can really play. Like that vacant, like you can hear the wheels turning as they're thinking, not because they're thinking so fast, but because it's so slow. I'm astonished by that. I don't know how to do it. And I find it really distressing and fascinating to watch. So for me, I went with people who are like, who are other people? Not necessarily who do that, but who's like eyes are so intense that I'm like, I don't know that I'm comfortable with this, which is why uh, I killing Murphy. I'm like, how did I not think of that? He's a hundred percent in that camp. But I put uh, some, some great nineties boys, uh, Elijah Wood and Leo DiCaprio. It's just like, you want someone who's just Uh, like, get that Hobbit hair going, you know, you know, I mean, obviously Elijah Wood, it had to been a few years later, but just like, you know, just that kind of so intense the eyes almost like want to stab you from from the screen you're like is this a positive thing i i don't know i'm unsettled and i feel like they're kind of in this for me they sit in the same kind of place but you're right oh yeah it's there's something about the the unhinged quality of everything that joaquin does even if it's like under the surface for most of the movie that we didn't know we were dealing with yet that is so successful in this movie and i
2: thought he was in a way it was like it, it in this movie specifically, just this context, it was almost refreshing. Um, as he so often does, I feel like he subverts a lot of what's happening directorially around him in every movie. And so that this clearly, this movie used as a storytelling device a lot of personal close-up interview style mockumentary kind of style uh, tellings from characters after the fact. And I thought his were the most interesting. Now, <laughs> now that, he also was playing a weird character, and mm-hmm. a lot of the other ones were just you know supposed to be a little bit more put together people. But he, his stillness and just him just staring or just playing with his fingernails. It was just like a lot of behavior that, I don't know, I feel, I feel like if I was in the industry and I was seeing this, I would be like, who was that guy? This oh, would have been definitely. one of those roles where I would have been like, that guy is, there's something weird, something special. It might be dangerous, but I want to see what else he does because there was something very unique that he did between the lines.
1: Intentional. <laughs> Or is that just yeah. like, is this, this just person this is right. going is that, to like see that
2: psycho kid? Or is he... yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: is this someone who's going to like break a like punch a light bulb out like in the middle of a take? Or is this like mm-hmm. a sculpted performance or a little about?
0: Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but especially with this film because of the documentary-ish style for so much of it it does feel like with him where of course Nicole Kidman but even like the parents on tv there's a certain level and even the sister Elena Douglas is a certain like it's I'm on tv I'm yes I'm per- carrying myself in a certain way which you don't get with him and that's why it feels so different that he's just so dead-eyed and is so like oh I guess they're pointing a camera at me I guess I'm talking it's just so straightforward and earnest creepily earnest I mean to me it's that scene between him and the cops where he's just so like Uh, unresponsive and then saying it just like you know where did you sleep with her about like oh like in her bed and he's just so like you see how much it meant to him and then he's going Mm -hmm. through the list of like where all the places like once at the school once at like the news studio after it was closed of what he's holding on to and it's something moving weirdly enough so joaquin was 19 living in Florida with his family at the time. He came to New York around early 94 to read. Van Sant said, Joaquin comes in looking so destitute. And the casting assistant, Meredith Tucker, said, it's still one of the most incredible additions I've ever witnessed, a magic moment. So I think he really came in and it. he left the room and they knew like, this is our guy. Um, so right off the bat, I could, this is the one person I couldn't tell because the uh, there was an interview with the casting director saying all the guys that were up for Jimmy and Russell. And Lucas Haas was up for one of them or possibly both of them. Not sure which. So I think he might have been up for Jimmy, possibly for Russell, Uh, which
1: Lucas Haas, Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, I mainly know from stuff like Brick and Mars Attacks and like some of his like younger and like his small stuff and like the Nolan movies and like Inception and whatnot. I don't know if either of you have strong opinions on. Who is
1: he in Inception?
0: Uh, he's, He's the guy in the beginning that like screwed up making the rug. So he gets like dragged away. Okay. Right. It's like I didn't know he's gonna rub yeah. his face on it. That guy. Great. <laughs> he's maybe not at the level that Walking Phoenix has. No, he's uh, not winning an Oscar
1: for <laughs> Rug Show. Guy.
0: He's a Rug Guy. Rug <laughs> Guy did not surprisingly <laughs> win an Oscar for Best Performance by a Rug Guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy Sisto, who instead in 1995 was playing Elton in our previous episode Clueless.
1: Okay, now that's a good choice. But also, Ooh. he gives such a great performance in Clueless, and he does play this like rich prick so well that not that you can't then play like a really down and out kind of guy but it is also interesting just to think about like like these kids playing you're up for all the teen roles
2: that would have launched him though if he would have had that split yeah it would have been like daniel day and my beautiful lingerie and yeah Room with a
0: View, wasn't that the same year those two movies came out? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was like that <laughs> anyway. one-two punch for for Daniel Day-Lewis. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I think this definitely did help in terms of put Joaquin on the map to be like, it still took a few years before he, because I'm sure they didn't know what to do with him. It's like, where do you put this guy? And then like Gladiator <laughs> yeah, especially, was like- You right, know, he walks into villain. every
2: audition like, yeah. like that too. right? Yeah. <laughs> but like Gladiator, like, that's
1: perfect. <laughs> like, why do we have you be this intense creep who's in love with his sister? That seems to track based yeah. on what we've seen you do before. Let's let's go yeah. with that guy.
0: Yeah. Opposed to, his, uh, up his, for Jimmy was, was- wrong with him. Up for Jimmy was Adrian Grenier of Entourage.
1: <laughs> my eyebrows skyrocketed up my forehead.
0: <laughs> yeah, just rolled my- yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> no offense, Adrian. Photos. Yeah, he doesn't seem pathetic enough. There's nothing- He was probably a cute, you know, high school kid that would have gotten girlfriends no problem. Like I'm, I'm having trouble seeing him struggle to
0: be successful socially in high school. Uh Exactly. Yeah. The thing I'm maybe I'm
2: maybe I'm projecting that onto him. But
0: right. I think the earliest thing I can think of, which I didn't even see, is that Melissa Joan Hart movie Drive Me Crazy, which I think he's just like more of the bad boy outcast, (laughs) not the creepy, weird, yeah, they're different almost friendless things. outcast.
2: Well, also, yeah, and wasn't it like,
0: that's the bad boy outcast for like a Nickelodeon movie. Exactly. So... <laughs> for
2: a Disney original. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. yeah, Very yeah. different. Not actually nervous. <laughs>
0: you're the outcast that might win a little Nickelodeon blimp award, but uh, you're probably not going to be winning an Oscar anytime soon. Uh, Edward Furlong auditioned and was very disappointed. He thought he had a very good audition uh, reading with uh, Gus Van Sant and did not work out for him um i mean this was i think american history x was like 98 which was kind of like the last big thing that i can think of that he did um but yeah i mean he makes sense to me in terms of someone that kind of lives more in that in that place that is it doesn't have to play
1: at a thing yeah more contemporary like Emil hirsch kind of thing if someone you're Emile like hirsch. oh yeah i totally yeah. i can see you kind of living in this uncomfortable yeah. space where i'm like i don't know about that guy
0: yeah i mean you know i could actually see if this was nowadays like uh go ahead you, you go oh, i was gonna say like 2005 paul dano
1: yes just like such paul a Dana, weird guy you we are like sure. what is up so with weird, that yeah. guy <laughs> uh
0: dane DeHaan. yeah
1: you know
2: who he is oh yeah i could see him doing it now i could from, definitely uh, see
0: definitely see dane DeHaan. yeah yeah, this those kids who cuz a little creepier.
2: Yeah, you need th- I mean that creep factor is very important, but they can't be so creepy that she would be uncomfortable ever being alone with them.
1: That she wouldn't like, feel Like that she was, could it was a cool
2: thing like about him. what Yeah, that was a cool thing that I thought Joaquin nailed. Obviously, we now know that he has the range that he can play with that type. He can seem threatening and has seemed threatening in a lot of his roles. He was never threatening to me in this ever at all. I was never nervous for her or anyone that was alone with him. I mean, he didn't even want to pull that trigger, right? He was scared. I expected
1: it to be Russell who would ultimately, like, do it, you know? But no, they're just, like, sourcing Russell for the gun and to basically be there to be like, do it, bro. I
0: I love that during the murder scene you have Nicole Kidman on the TV doing her weather report. I think it's so smart uh, of what, like, ultimately drives him to do (laughs) it. Yeah, that was was, was good. Um, So (laughs)
2: Misunderstood is maybe... Better. It's creepy, but he has to be yeah. misunderstood because he, he can't has be, to be too like, lost. Very
1: vulnerable. You have to like. He, yes. he has to.
2: He's a kicked puppy.
1: Oh, that's a, a great way of describing. Which again
2: it. is kind of why it's kind of like I often I can't help but compare Joaquin, especially the, as, as he's gotten older, to like someone like De Niro, who like you think about what, why have they been so successful? I think they both have like just fathomless amounts of vulnerability. So even when they play their creepy characters, there's mm. so something that you feel you are invited to because there's so much humanity going on yeah. inside them yeah. so it's i feel very like this similar could similar <laughs> to travis
1: and taxi driver yeah, yeah there's just that yeah. similar kind of like okay the also the script and performance are built to like you said like allow us in so we can understand mm-hmm. how this person gets from a to b they're not a cipher they're like creepy mm-hmm. but we like are able to understand them more than the nicole kidman character who is much more of a like a.
2: I think so too what's going
1: on here yeah
2: yeah uh, so we know what we know about him now is that like it's Joaquin but again if i were to try to time capsule and go back to 1995 i think this was probably the most important role in terms of the way you cast it's such delicate a delicate thing since he's her device ultimately to get what yeah. she wants if he was two dimensional this movie would be way less interesting
0: i agree for sure yeah it really does i mean yeah. i i really like this movie in general but it does certainly kick it up a notch once you finally get to the trio you get to the kid the kid the high school kids uh, I think it really is, like, that missing puzzle piece in the film that really – because you have, like – I don't know. There's just so many unique vantage points in this film between, like, this uh the de- this delusion – delusions of grandeur of Nicole Kidman. And then you have, like, the reality with, like, Matt Dillon and his family and his sister. And then you have, like, these kids. You have this opposite end of the spectrum of, like, the idea of, like, oh, this woman's on TV. And it's like, yeah, she's on, like, public access web- due to the weather pretty much. Um <laughs> And I, I really think they cast it so so well. And I don't think they would have as much if they had cast no. our last person up for Jimmy, which was Matt Damon. No. Yeah,
2: again, see, for me, too clean. Like there's yeah. no way that yeah. kid is
0: lost, right? He's cleaning up the garbage at Harvard already, isn't he? Like Yeah, <laughs>
2: like,
0: <laughs> yeah even him where his version of like destitute in goodwill hunting is still like such a like clean cut, all American Very Ten moves ahead. Very yeah. Ahead.
2: Yeah. yeah. Not the lost soul, not malleable. I feel like he would have manipulated her and gotten away with it with like a smile. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean, he, he's so be talented. Off, I understand
1: totally. But he'd be better off in the Matt Dillon role. It'd be a very different take on it. But I would buy that more as like, oh, just kind of a slightly dumb lug, as opposed to like, yeah, th- yeah he's he's not been yeah. kicked around and no, malnourished. No. You know.
0: So he auditioned, and when he left, uh, Gus Van Sant remembered uh Laura who's one of the casting people saying wow that's a movie star he was really interested Gus Van Sant was really interested in him but Matt was around 24 which concerned them and Matt said let me work on it I can make myself look 16 so they met again in New York Matt Damon had lost weight which brought more focus to his eyes he looked closer to 16 but still too all-American and they said if Suzanne manipulates Jimmy to kill her husband does it work if the kid looks like a baseball player which exactly. Threat. Exactly. Yeah. But Matt Damon is the one who t- said to Gus Van Sant. He said, "You should really read my best friend's younger brother yeah. for Casey. Russell." Yeah. And because that's...
1: that guy's an actual creep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was weird watching him make sex jokes in this movie yep
1: yep yep. yep. but you know it, <laughs> if the shoe fits it certainly is I like know. well you're not playing at
0: anything you're just being yeah. obnoxious yeah. and no this is the conversation we were having paper. while
1: watching it i was just like oh like blah blah blah. and and jeff was like well when you're that young too it's sometimes better to get someone who's like closer to the actual vibe so they're not having to act so much and it's like maybe they just went straight to the source like let's find a real creep put him in this yeah punk part
0: yeah um uh, yeah. But yeah since we're talking about him uh our thoughts on casey affleck
2: amy joe did you say your did you say who you thought was should be james did I? am i just blanking
1: oh i said elijah and leo elijah, you know elijah and leo, leo. my I 90s boys with the eyes <laughs> no, no, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> leo would have been wonderful he's he's great
1: yeah there's someone anyway. who like can look all scrubbed up and also like what is what is going on with that guy howard hughes yeah. come on come on Um, fingernails
0: (laughs) fingernails in jars yeah
1: for russell my note beside it is in all caps well that tracks you creep um Mm -hmm. i don't have a lot of thoughts Mm -hmm. i think he's he's great i had if this were a broader comedy ryan hansen um as just like (laughs) which it's it's not a good fit but i'm like we should cast ryan hansen to more things because he just makes me laugh Mm -hmm. but um yeah i don't know i think he it's it's good in this part, but yeah. so many other people could do it, and also not yeah exactly put them on a path to win an Oscar and be awful people. My
2: yeah, thoughts. I just I think Casey is a very sorry. Are we finished. Those are all your thoughts. Oh
1: yeah, I don't have thoughts really. It's like I know it's I kind, know. kind of well, it's kind of not... like a
2: it's just not as interesting of a role, right? Which obviously is an important foil to James. Joaquin Phoenix's yeah. role. Mm-hmm. Um, she literally, I feel like she like literally decided. In that first scene in the classroom when she first visited, which one of these boys is going to be easier to mess with—the walking dick or the bleeding Mm heart—and I feel like she, Mm -hmm. you know, she went with the softy and it worked. Um, So if they were going to go funnier with it, I thought (laughs) Seth Green might have been a weird, kind of annoying, punky kind of Mm -hmm. character.
1: But if you wanted to stay,
2: yeah, right. I feel like, but I would have. I just. Can't hardly wait, would not mean what it means to me if he had been in this movie, though. Right? <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> it would have oh, been no, the same just... thing. Um, so, for dramatic, for that same kind of stuff, even though, again, I think these any of these guys could have nailed it. This just is not as difficult of a part. I think uh, Mark Wahlberg is a young person. Probably, if he could have Absolutely. looked young enough. For, yeah, this like could have done this really well.
0: Basketball Diaries, him with was him it the Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Was, I think it was '95. So yeah, I think that's that's true. Yeah, just the yeah, a little more yeah, edge, blow hard. not yeah. as much
2: depth. Yeah, just not as interesting. There's not see, not as much going on down here for sure. Is that young punk kid just like thinking about girls and skipping school and shit? Uh, kind of a weird one that I thought might have been interesting because I love him and I don't think we saw very much of him when he was coming up. Was Jeremy Renner?
1: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he was up Could for have been a few maybe a little edgy, clueless episode that was surprising. Cause I was like, oh, I didn't know he was like, uh, you know, because Hurt Locker in like two thousand eight yeah. was really the first. big. I just assumed
2: he was always thing. around though, like always auditioning. Right. He was always in the consideration. He just never really got the breaks that some of the other people got. I could see that. I mean,
0: he was in, Maybe. I think in like 2001, he was in this indie movie playing Jeffrey Dahmer that he is terrifying in, but is really good. And that Jesus. helped yeah, put I'm him sure. on the map to be like, oh, who is this guy? So I think yeah. as like either the Walking Phoenix or the uh, Casey Affleck roles, I, th- I think he actually would have been good. Um, and I, I think uh, my last one was uh, Jared Leto, which I know I've already said, I mean, but yeah. I do think like, if they wanted to go
2: there, I think it could have been a really interesting duo with Joaquin yeah, and sure. Jared. Sure. And then she would have had a little bit more trouble like deciding which one... Is going yeah. to be more trustable as opposed to them foiling each other so cleanly. But that would have been a, again. That would have been a different movie. Probably
0: would have been the dramatic version, <laughs> not the not this version. Maybe. I mean, yeah. There is. There's a certain level of, you could have the same people, be considered for both Jimmy and Russell, and which is the more like front footed extrovert put them as your Russell and which is the more introvert internal and that's your Jimmy. Mm. It, so uh, as I said before, Lucas Haas might have been considered for this role opposed to Jimmy. I do not know. The only person I know that was considered for this, which I thought was interesting, was Giovanni Rabisi.
1: Wow. I would not have oh, gone yeah. there with my yeah. first thoughts.
0: That's something to me that I could see mm. more as Jimmy, almost, where he is, like, this manipulated, like, wounded, yeah. kicked dog. Yeah. Um, but I could, I don't know. Oh, you know what? Because now I'm thinking of, like, I'm trying to think of early Giovanni Rabisi. There's, like, the... Well, he the was on at
2: Friends at this point. He had appeared as yes. Phoebe's brother.
0: Yes. So we, we also... would have, maybe he would have been too comedic, or...
1: Oh, well, I, I think, I mean, he was
0: also That's in Saving it. Private Ryan with Tom Sizemore, Get, so he's done yeah. enough dramatic stuff, but uh, he's What in, about
1: Vin Diesel? Vin
0: Diesel. <laughs> uh, he's in the about Vinny. Giovanni is in the film adaptation of the uh suburbia the eric bogosian play with uh young steve zahn i could also see like steve zahn as like just Mm -hmm. an a-hole just blowing you know armpit uh farts just like disrupting the class and uh just saying lascivious nonsense um Mm -hmm. i mean i think you know i don't like casey affleck as a person i think it worked really well for this role
2: that's yeah, a good way for sure. of putting it. I bet he did just walk in and he was – Gus Van Zandt was like, oh, your friend Matt Damon was right. You're perfect for this role. You're an ass. Yeah, asshole. Matt Damon was like, my
0: <laughs> my friend's younger brother annoys the crap out of us. You'll <laughs> yeah, love him. He'll be
1: perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Little prick. And finally, we have Janice. Thoughts on Ileana Douglas? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? My first one is kind of very similar to
2: her. I feel like if you want to stay in that kind of world, I thought uh, Allison Janney may have Ooh, been an interesting yes. – fun choice i i've always I, i've always loved her um megan Mullally was old enough to do this i know we didn't really Ooh. see much of her before will and grace but she was just the, i think she's she the was same on age.
1: broadway in the early yeah, 90s she was you know?
2: crushing it i think she would have been hilarious obviously she's i think she would have been out. so funny uh maybe mary steenberg i know that's kind of sure i know like she mary always <laughs> i feel like she's always like living in that supportive role but um I also wrote Jennifer Jason Lee, but I don't I don't like it. I think I like my other three a lot better. I I, I like the More interesting one.
0: I like the Jennifer Jason Lee option. Yeah. I those are great. Those are great. Uh Amy Jo?
1: Uh she's perfect. Just totally yeah. by this person as, as who, exactly who yeah. they are. Um I have two very different options in a more contemporary uh, way, and this is mainly the eyes. I had Lauren Lapkus, who actually I think would be fun in this. She's very funny, but also, like, you know, I, I think she would do this nicely. And then a more 90s version, I have Janine Garofalo. Yeah. I, th- I almost yeah. wrote her, too. Yeah. yeah, of course. Just that kind of, like, sure. Like, you yeah. know, that very dry, not going to suffer any fools and then can do a beautiful, comedic... Well, I don't know if she can ice skate, but, you know, neither could Alana <laughs> Douglas, apparently. So, uh... Uh, No,
0: actually, Alana uh, Doug- Douglas uh, had grown up in New England ice skating. Oh, and so she knew oh, the wow. character well, so she was, like, really... I think that certainly helped. Um, but then, because she didn't know... I don't know if it was because she did this or not, but she apparently thought there'd be a lot more intensive ice skating within the film. So she, like, trained for weeks leading up to it to be, like, in she didn't know oh. like would they be getting doubles or they'd be doing her. So she was like, I just want to make sure I'm in like top form. And maybe it's because she did that, that they had that ending be just that long, great unbroken take of her ice skating. Or if that was always in the cards, I don't know, but I, I love that so much. Um, yeah. I'm sad that I don't know her work more. Cause I mainly know her just from this and uh, she's got a smaller role in Cape fear as this woman, uh, Nick Nolte is having an affair with, which uh-huh. she's amazing. in. she's got as a small role, but she's like heartbreaking in, um, but keeping with my uh, Gone Girl, uh, I would want some Carrie Coon if we made oh, this today. Oh, put Carrie Coon in every movie. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Or I could yeah. also see uh, Joan Cusack in this role. This I think. is a great... Actually, I this is a great.
1: great use of Joan Cusack as Uh-oh. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: She's perfect for this. Yeah. Good girl. Yeah, but Linda Douglas, I think, is incredible in this. Uh, apparently, she was only four votes shy of getting an Oscar nomination for this role. But Aww. that... Uh, based on that, she was invited to join the academy, so she became a, a voting member of the academy. uh well, I don't know if that like as a consolation Wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah, but I am kind of surprised by that. I think she's so good in it, but it feels like she doesn't get like a big. She doesn't get to confront Nicole Kidman, you know. Yeah. She doesn't really have like a big scene in that. Like what's the way the... that
1: the Oscars love.
0: Yeah, the way that the Oscars love. I mean, her big scene is just then ending. And on that beautiful, her ice skating over Nicole Kidman's dead body. But
1: she does so much with little dialogue, and they cut to her a lot. That's true. In scenes where she's not speaking, because she is able to communicate so much without having to like speak in that moment to like what she's really feeling. But we see it, and we see her trying not to show mm-hmm. that. You know, I think it's yeah. there's a lot in this that she's doing without dialogue. It's uh, oh, it's so yeah. Good. Again, I
2: think she's she's our first and probably the longest surrogate. Yeah. That we have, mm-hmm. so it's important that like we, we we trust her completely, and that she, and that she has fun with it. Again, I feel like uh oh, yeah. she she establishes the tone immediately, right? Like I guess the first thing we see is Nicole's close up and the, at the beginning of this long ongoing interview of herself, but then it's Atlanta Douglas, and so we just have to. We have Every time we come back, we think we're going to learn something, especially at those scenes when it's not the interview style, when we're actually just flashing back. If she's in the room with Nicole Kidman, we always think we're going to learn something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we're, more information is going to come because we have her perspective. So again, delicate casting. And I
0: feel like she was perfect. Definitely. Uh, so right off the bat. In terms of who was considered, ding, 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 Janine Garofalo Hey-o. was considered, which, I mean, makes so much sense.
2: They were like, but she can't skate. Right. They were like, <laughs> Take her off the <laughs> she, list. She I, I wonder if the original skate. script was just the opening of her
0: skating up, skidding to a stop, and that was all you had to do. But because <laughs> Eliana Douglas can skate, they were like, great, we'll just have so much more of that at the end.
2: Would have been hilarious, though, if Janine Garofalo did it and she was terrible at uh, skating that's and that was also still also that, <laughs> that would have been that does
0: edge this even more into full blown comedy uh, Sandra Bullock <laughs> yeah. was considered
1: oh i see that but i mm. prefer yeah Me too. yeah
0: totally and and instead in 1995 she was doing the net end while you were sleeping come off she was coming off a of speed in 94 uh which definitely was what was like oh who is this person we we really like this person put her mm-hmm. in more things um regardless of the net being the net uh it still was like oh you're gonna lead films now and while you're sleeping i mean in terms of turning into like a america's sweetheart rom-com star uh which she wrote that for yes, like we, a decade
2: uh we almost we almost chose the net for our <laughs> redemption film this week <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, glad we're all kind of crapping on it right now uh, amazing
0: i still haven't seen it still happy um <laughs> yeah i'm curious I, i've seen the other i think all the yeah, i think also 95 the other 95 uh <laughs> Computer thriller, hackers, which is also hackers. Terrible. Yep. <laughs> gloriously, yeah. bad, gloriously, though. gloriously terrible. Uh yeah. now, though considered for Suzanne, she only officially auditioned for Janice Ellen DeGeneres. And this that role makes a lot more sense. Makes more sense. That makes me, so for much Ellen. more sense. Great. great. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. it. Uh, She'll be great. Yeah, I would. I would. I'd be totally fine with that. She's. She's wonderful. Yeah. For that. This is an interesting Jennifer Tilly was considered oh. which is not what i consider huh. when i think of jennifer tilly um not no but she's great i'm
1: I'm interested i'd be interested to see i I feel like the script is such that it could it, it could maneuver in that direction if need mm. be um
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm not i'm not solidly against it
0: <laughs> and <laughs> finally i think this is center of the bullseye katherine keener yes was considered
1: that's great too yeah yeah
0: yeah her and
2: Mary steenberg and they kind of yeah. hold a mm-hmm. similar place in my mind as <laughs> like they're always wonderful in their supporting roles those people who you need to just come up they're going to be on set for like 10 days and they're going to nail it in like one or yeah. two takes and yeah. we can move on and no one's stressed they're great at their job yeah yeah they'll be good although i don't think either of those women are as quirky well, As, they're uh, more traditionally uh, like
1: good look. It's it's her eyes are so big that it makes her look. And I'm I don't mean this pejoratively, but she like looks unusual by like Hollywood standards, which I think gives her yeah. ac- actually helps us in this film. Um, but I think maybe partially, what you know, Allison Janney has a sim. Allison Janney also has like those those huge eyes and like a similar facial structure, and she's done right. very well. But it has not been by playing people who are like who are hired for their looks you know what i mean uh even though she's a very attractive yes. woman um but uh i think that you have someone like katherine keener who you know we did being john malkovich on the pod a couple months ago and it's like i'd forgotten like what a bombshell she was you know although thinking back to being john malkovich thinking about what they were able to do with cameron diaz uh, it's like you well makeup a, can you do a, a lot
0: frizzy enough wig on a person <laughs> that's true scrub that makeup off nicole
2: and, yeah, yeah. Nicole didn't win her Oscar until she wore fake a, a fake nose, a fake, right? The tried true method.
0: So there are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. I primarily, we got to talk about Lydia, who's the, the remaining member of this the trio I'm of high schoolers. Wow. Uh, yeah, Alison Folland was this this actor's name. This was her first film. She was, uh, as, as I'll uh, I'll, quote, I'll quote her, I went to high school in Cambridge down the street from the casting agency. I did theater, but wasn't an aspiring actress whatsoever. I heard they were having open calls for 15-year-old girls, so I went in. They thought that I dressed for the role, but I just had on my regular clothes. (laughs) And then she just went camping with her family, and this is the day's pre-cell phone. So her dad called the machine at home, and they were like, there are all these messages for you from a casting agent. Because she didn't even tell them at the audition. She was like, I don't know, audition for this thing. I'm 15. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Which I think is amazing, because I think she is incredible in this film it's so it's
1: a magnificent performance yeah and the way they have her styled where it's like we're not gonna blow out your hair this person has not blown out their hair let's you know we're it's it's things like that that make it feel so real too because so often in movies even a character like that they're gonna they're gonna still like make sure her hair looks sleek which doesn't help at all but it's just like things like that which tell us so much about the character and then she just feels like she walked in off the street like it it, it I mean, really yeah, reminded you know, me of which apparently she did yeah <laughs> but it really reminded me of watching season 1 of american vandal and the, the guy uh, jimmy what's his name that we've talked about before who plays like the lead in season 1 of american vandal where you're like who is this actor cuz they don't feel like they're acting and yet everything is like so well yeah, calibrated that an actor? Yeah. it's still a beautifully sculpted performance it just doesn't feel like anybody's trying
0: it's just free of vanity which i feel like they do so Mm -hmm. well i mean her and walking phoenix especially and casey affleck to an extent of like these young kids that were just kids were just opposed to like if you had like you know matt damon playing at a thing you've got these people that just look like they walked in off the street and are wearing the clothes that were on their back and in her case maybe she was uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and
2: again i feel like i i'm missing that right now like i know like We can get in. We don't have to have like the bigger conversation about movies versus TV. But I do feel like what the '90s indie indie cinema did was it kind of got back to uh, the reality that the '70s had Mm -hmm. because like nowadays like everybody's apparently has time to go to the gym every day everybody in any right. role in anything works out a lot because they all are great when they take totally. their clothes off like they look like superheroes and like people like this just don't really exist in a lot of stuff nowadays they're just too pretty or too put up or too whatever uh, and I like I, I agree with you a better performance I feel like you can almost like hear Gus Van Zandt on the other side of the camera, just like going back and forth, or just like no, 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 let's just talk to each other. Mm. Memorize your lines. Let's just question mm-hmm. and answer. I'm just gonna ask you a question. Just answer it. Don't act. you don't have to act. And it, it just felt like that, right? It just felt like a super simple Definitely. question style. And yet,
1: like her listening is so deep. Like her in the chair it, in that living room scene where 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 the husband's <laughs> gone for the night, and so well, they come over, and it's like the most painful scene.
0: Just Nicole McKeon and Walking Phoenix dancing. But
1: she's like rubbing up on Lydia first yeah. I think it's kind of like which one of these can I get to crumble yeah. first oh okay ring a ding ding we have these, a winner which these
0: kids am I sleeping with tonight that's exactly
1: right but like when when Lydia's mm-hmm. sitting there in the chair and watching her then like dance with Joaquin Phoenix and just like watching like what she's doing with her eyes and her body language and it's just it's masterful and I'm like how how are you that good <laughs> without I mean you didn't have a bunch of acting teachers get into your head and camp out there and
2: exactly that's it it's just raw yeah. so it's just raw. he was he just yeah. pointed a camera at her before it you know anything bad happened and there were so many tiny little moments that you know we'll credit the actors and we'll credit just deciding to get this coverage but like what a unique little trio of friends like we know these people right like we, we all went to school yeah. we knew that group that little weird trio or or foursome of people who were like, like y'all just love each other you're not dating you're not f- just sorry, we we're allowed to say that. I'll not I'll you. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> we'll just the, uh, uh, we're not, <laughs> whatever that's no fine, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, and I thought that they did such a good job of because you know, Casey Affleck's character is kind of out of it until the gun right. comes back yeah. into the show, so it's kind of the two of them, and that scene establishes a interesting dynamic. Because if you're kind of like, are they together? Is she going to be jealous of him for her? Or is she going to be jealous of her because she's with him? And then it all came together for me in that really sweet moment when she comes to the door at the end and she's like, let me in. And Mm. James is waiting outside and she's like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? And Nicole Kidman sends her away. And there's just that tiny little moment where her and Joaquin Phoenix walk away and she kind of like puts her arm around him and he kind of like just like leans on her. And I just knew those kids in high school that just like, you're not in love, you're not dating, but y'all are just like weird best friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought they just nailed it so perfectly. Mm. Yeah. Anyway.
0: So, so agree. Uh, And two, two random uh, acting things I had to mention. Technically, I could have said this earlier, but I'm assuming this is the cop that's just then watching in that scene. They're like the two cops in the car. Right. Steve Buscemi auditioned because he really wanted to work with Gus Van Sant. And that feels, this is the Mm -hmm. year before Fargo, but it's still, he seemed, I don't know, he seemed too big to be auditioning for a, a role that has maybe is like an, the equivalent of like an under five. Um, but he really wants to work with Gus Van Sant. And I was like, this, I guess that's the role.
1: Look, I think if you're a really weird and wild looking character actor, and there's a director you you want to get in with because you know that when the right <laughs> role comes along, they will think of you. Yeah. Then I can totally see him being like, I'm going to go in and do two lines. I don't care. It'll yeah. be a day of my life, you sure. know? And and then I'll have worked with yeah. this guy and maybe he'll think of me when another creepy person comes along
0: right i don't know why he didn't if it was yep. he just didn't get cast or if it was yes, like man. if his agent was like okay you yeah, can audition yeah. but if you're going to do that then you you have to get paid this amount of money And they were like well we can't pay that amount for the cop in the car um i don't know but i just thought it was fascinating that steve Buscemi was like i will literally do anything on this film i want in uh and i don't know if either of you noticed in the credits or recognized but that hitman at the end uh was director david cronenberg what yeah i saw I, that, yeah. I mean which, obviously
1: i saw it i just m- missed the fact of it
0: which i love because he does occasionally act but also because the one casting director has cast like a majority totally. of, of his films world. i think it's so fun to be like hey dave we're uh i'm also ca- i'm casting this film now i need like a creepy hitman what are you doing on wednesday it's so random when he <laughs> pops up we for our, we did a halloween episode last
2: week and our Bad movie. Our redemption movie that we chose was Jason X. Jason goes to space. The tenth Jason set in space. (laughs) When they wake him up, and it opens, and David Cronenberg is in the first scene.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Of course, if you're going to make some like great horror films, you should be acting in bad horror films. That feels like what you want to
2: know. know. What is he? He only gets in the bad one. I don't know. Whatever.
0: I do oh, love like him though. Um so final thoughts anything that we haven't touched on for the view on uh, any of the other actors. I mean there's so many we t- get to, like, Always Wayne, happy to Wayne see Dan Knight, Hedaya. Always Dan Hedaya. happy to see Wayne Knight.
1: Yeah. Wayne Knight is very funny in this movie. I mean he always is, but I think he's he's excellent in this. Um I'm looking to see if there's any Yeah, he's else. well cast for this. Oh, we mentioned
2: Yeah, I was trying to think uh, who We else. mentioned
1: it in our intro, but we didn't really talk about it that her putting a boom box on top of the gravestone and then pressing play <laughs> on all by myself was just a chef's kiss to whoever thought of that. Cause it is, I howled and I, I'd forgotten about that from oh. between the last time I watched it to this, it's just like, what an mm-hmm. insane choice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love how that isn't like that right after that is the moment. when Elena Douglas is like, and right then I knew. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that it's something. It's like, "Oh, that's what gave it away." <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 so what a the,
1: the...
0: Oh man, it's so good. Um, so I'll end with this, which I think is a very fitting thing, to, considering the obsession with media in this film and with TV. So while filming, they were doing one of the wide shots of Joaquin in the jail cell, and there were all these bright lights on him, so he couldn't see anything behind the camera. And one by one, people started leaving the set. And for a while, Joaquin didn't—he didn't realize this was happening until he was all alone. So he's just there; he's trying to stay in character. But he finally asked, "He's like, so are we gonna shoot?" And nobody answered. So he finally was like, came out and was like, "Everyone's gone." So he walks into the adjacent room where everyone was gathered around a TV to watch the O.J. Bronco chase on the freeway. Yeah, like what sure. perfect timing! Wow, when making this film,
1: totally, totally. <laughs> but also like. Tell the wow. poor child, you well, know, <laughs> maybe he wants to like sit down or watch himself. Wow. Joaquin's, he,
0: Joaquin's getting in character. Don't bother Joaquin. It, no, no one likes to bother Joaquin when he's getting in character. We all feel a little weird. Just let him be. He'll stay there. You said he was nineteen, 19 right? Yeah. Wow. When yeah. was Evan? Well, I good know. lord, I know. Wow. Uh great, John. It was so good to have you here with us. Talking Thank about you to die for. so
2: much. This was so much fun. I'm so glad I got to see this. I
0: feel like an idiot i'd never i'd never I seen this like one kind of never heard of it I, I no. I, you know we only saw it a few years ago um i i think i'd seen the one scene on hbo with uh george siegel where he's like the speaker at the conference where he's just hitting on nicole kim and i think i saw mm-hmm. just that scene on tv and i was like this movie is a little weird and changed the channel to i don't know Darkwing duck something <laughs> else um <laughs>
1: something more age appropriate probably something Darkwing more duck. Age
0: appropriate
2: uh that is really cool that uh, she got the golden globe though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's this is like this is
0: it, right? This is like yeah. put, her, put her in there in the the, in the A-list place in I guess.
2: the mix. In the, in the mix.
0: mix great. So uh once again, uh you are on The Love of Cinema, which I'm very excited to go chat with you a little later on tonight. We're going to go record some yes. talk about yeah, Batman. Man. So excited do you want
1: to drop your handles and such uh where people can find you on the Yeah, web? we
0: are uh
2: follow us we have a facebook page just look at the uh, the love of cinema and um i think our instagram is the love of cinema pod and i believe we are right. still the love of cinema on twitter but you'll find us on the love of cinema pod on instagram and that'll take you to the facebook and everything but we're more active on instagram if you want to get okay. on there and we're available on all the all the podcast platforms as, as everybody so is so we're Spotify,
0: wherever you're listening iTunes, to this, listen to the love of cinema as well. Yeah, <laughs> over.
1: Amy, Joe, Jeff,
0: what are you recommending this week?
1: Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I know we don't have to link the recommends to the episode, but I wanted to for a couple of reasons. One is that a lot of people who are podcast listeners are true crime podcast listeners. So I wanted to give a new recommendation of a podcast I really liked in that field, but also because we primarily, maybe entirely suggested white actors for this episode. True, And that is partially on my end because I had a lot of hesitation for recommending people of color to play criminals or people who perpetrate criminal acts. I have a lot of complicated feelings about that. Yeah. I don't quite know what to do with that. It's Complicated and uh, I compromised by suggesting a lot of white people, which is not the answer, but it's where I landed. However, I would like to recommend a podcast uh, hosted by two black women who live in Phoenix. It's called Fruit Loops and it focuses on serial killers of color and victims of color and people. Uh, that the media doesn't really latch onto their stories, either as the killer or as the victim, you know, we kind of like in a weird way, idolize these, you know, ser- we've talked about Ed Gein on this podcast alone. you know, yeah. so it is um, so fun. They're so charming together. They're old friends. Uh, They do a lot of research for you. So we actually get a really great founding in uh, like the historical period and culturally what was happening. And then it's also just like kind of a fun hang. So I recommend Fruit Loops podcast. Lovely. Jeff. Amy Joe. What you recommending this week? Uh, Well, similarly, in terms
0: of I don't need to tie it into the film we're doing, but as we're doing this very dark, dark comedy. I wanted to recommend another very black comedy drama thriller-ish type film. Uh 2017's Thoroughbreds, written directed by Corey Finley, who just did uh that movie Bad Education with Hugh Jackman that came out last year that uh on HBO. Uh and it's really good. I love the little the little uh you know poster screen grab where it's like American Psycho Meets Heathers, which isn't too bad of a comparison because mm. it stars two teenage girls in Connecticut uh, who are plotting to potentially kill one of their awful, awful uh, stepfathers. Uh, but it stars Olivia Cook, uh, people know from stuff like Meet Earl and the Dying Girl and Ready Player One, and Anya Taylor-Joy, who's in everything, a lot of people loving her on Queen's Gambit right now, uh, The Witch, it's Split. Right now, it's very, it's so hot right now, the Queen's Gambit. hot right now. And Anton Yelkin, his uh, last performance, I believe, in this Oof. film. Uh, it's really, really good. It's uh, weird, quirky. I feel like if you enjoy To Die For, you'd really like *Therabirds* as well. Mm. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da! Do you have a film you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know.
1: Gosh, Jeff, you know, I would just love to know. What, what <laughs> movie are you talking about? week and by you I mean you and me oh
0: you and me well and let's include the listener there too the oh, sure. listener they you, might you're want part of the fun they might want to know so if you want to know what we're doing check us out on Facebook or Instagram at and almost starring where every Saturday we drop what film will be coming down the pipeline a
1: reveal
0: a reveal and every Friday Amy Joe on Instagram heading up a fun game she'll drop some clues and you can all try and guess and be the cool kids and figure out what. Film we could possibly Look,
1: be doing. We're doing what we can to find joy <laughs> in these quarantines, okay?
0: <laughs> and this is one of those ways. Yes. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to drop a rating and review. Uh wherever you rate and review your podcast, maybe uh maybe five stars. Maybe if... five
1: whole stars. Five, More five than five any Michelin stars. chef's ever no. <laughs> gotten before.
0: Exactly. Uh and uh, if you feel if this episode is what makes you give us five stars, maybe then in the f- review. Yeah, but, uh, then say
1: Better than any Michelin restaurant I ever been to <laughs> before.
0: Uh, ratatouille
1: exclamation point.
0: As and make sure you put in Ratatouille! exclamation point. That's the how end. well known uh, five stars. Until next time, <laughs> I'm Jeff Ronin. I'm in Jackson. How long's to see who almost starred? <laughs>